Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Announcing our first VIP sale of 2021. Just 99 cents gets you a full month of VIP access. If you act now, go to pwtorch.com slash govip. Enter coupon code 2021SALE. That's right, 2021 sale. And that'll take $9 off our usual $9.99 monthly subscription price. That's 2021 sale. Enter that in the coupon code box on our sign-up form at pwtorch.com slash govip. Check out the new 2021 podcast lineup, including everything with Rich Fan, Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure, the VIP Vault, and more to be announced. And now we are compatible with the Apple Podcast Native app. No need to enter username and password. And, of course, you get these shows with the ads and plugs free through Apple Podcasts on your iPhone or Google Podcasts or many other popular podcast apps on both iOS and Android devices. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. It's just 99 cents. Enter coupon code 2021SALE. You can now pay through PayPal or credit card and debit card directly on our express sign-up form. In fact, you can be VIP in 30 seconds and have our VIP ad-free podcasts on your iPhone or Android device in the next two minutes. pwtorch.com slash govip. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved, Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.
Now, PW Torch and Spreaker bring you the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. It's time to flash back to Wade and Jason reviewing Raw from five years ago this week. Today we go back five years to Daniel Bryan's retirement announcement on Monday Night Raw as the main topic of discussion on the post-show flagship with Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. He joined me to talk about an emotional night and looking at the impact of Daniel Bryan's career and whether we thought he would make a return, whether we could read into some comments he made that he might have one more match outside of WWE, and a, a kind of a weird or seemingly odd Vince McMahon moment after the gathering for Daniel Bryan. We took calls and emails on that topic. We covered other topics too, but certainly Daniel Bryan was the focus. This aired originally five years ago on February 9th, 2016. So enjoy. Here we go with uh, this weekend's five years ago post-show flashback. Welcome to the PW Torch Livecast. I am Wade Keller, editor and publisher of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, covering the inner workings of pro wrestling and documenting pro wrestling history since 1987. And also, pwtorch.com, the website covering the same content, inside information, and documenting wrestling history since 1999. And also host of this, the PW Torch Livecast. I host on Tuesdays and Thursdays, although we are on the air Live six or seven days a week, uh, including the new Saturday Morning Wrestling, a popular nostalgia-based show hosted by radio veteran Jim Valley, who you may know his name and voice from doing uh, various guest shots and fill-in host gigs over the past few years here at PW Torch Livecast. The last two Saturday mornings at 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific, he has uh, hosted a uh, hour to hour and a half program covering... The, uh, the nostalgia angle, uh, something we don't spend a lot of time on during the Monday through Friday news-driven and interview-driven programs. So uh, check that out if you haven't yet. That is a new addition to the lineup over the last couple of weeks. It is Tuesday, February 9th, 2016, and Tuesday means I'm joined by Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net, and we will be talking a lot, deservedly so, about Brian Danielson. Daniel Bryan, who retired last night on Raw, will pick up the conversation on that, uh, where James Caldwell uh, left off after last night's live cast, where, uh, well, understandably, um, the show dominated by, by thoughts and memories on, uh, on Daniel Bryan. Uh, Greg Parks co-hosted with James last night, I should mention. And uh, so we're going to take your calls, and you're certainly encouraged and welcome to talk about other topics, but... I, I'm kind of thinking Daniel Bryan will be a big part of the discussion. Um, without uh, any more delay, let's bring Jason into the conversation here. And uh, Jason, I, I, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Good to be here. Yeah, I, I, I know from reading your uh, Raw report, um, you had the same feelings I did on Daniel Bryan. I, I just, it just, it's a side of wrestling that is so nice to see. I, I think that uh, 30 minutes embodied more why I don't I don't know that a non-wrestling fan who didn't understand why we have followed and loved wrestling our whole lives I don't know that watching that would make them fully understand but maybe appreciate a little bit more the the good side about professional wrestling of course better than 30 minute speech is just a great Daniel uh, uh, Brian Danielson or Daniel Bryan match um, but that speech in combination with a great Daniel Bryan match I think would go a long way to letting people know the side of the business that brings us back day after day, week after week, year after year, and in our cases, Jason, decade after decade. Um, talk about that a little bit. Yeah, certainly. He is, 
mean, he, he just felt like everything good about the industry kind of rolled into one guy. And I, I hope that somewhere along the way, Vince McMahon kind of sits back and thinks about why Daniel Bryan worked. Because to this day, I don't know that he gets it. You know, he's trying to kind of repackage some of the the basics with AJ Styles. Uh, if you listen to AJ's talk with Chris Jericho, he just he's a pit bull. He's always had to fight for everything. And it's it's just a very basic character, and I think that's how he saw Daniel Bryan, and I don't think he ever grasped that there was more to it than that. There was a realness to him. He didn't need a character. He could go out there and be himself, and it worked. Now, not obviously he was scripted along with everybody else, but the real Daniel Bryan came through. People took to him. It wasn't a manufactured, over-the-top superhero character like we get with Roman Reigns at times and, and others. It was a, There was a realness to that that is missing from the WWE main roster now that he is gone. Uh, yeah, I think the genuineness of Daniel Bryan, the person, shined through whatever machinations Vince McMahon and company put him through to try to turn him into a sports entertainer. I, I think part of the reaction that Daniel Bryan received was, was was contextual in the sense that, you know, and he brought up the John Cena-Randy Orton match, a match nobody wanted to see. I mean, I shouldn't say nobody. You know, uh, uh, so many people were so sick of another Cena-Orton match, and he brought it up in the promo last night that, you know, the Daniel Bryan fans hijacked hijacked that, that presentation, that, that contract signing. And I think Daniel Bryan did embody a lot of frustration that fans felt. He was... The, uh, the example, the walking, talking, wrestling example that was the opposite of the values that Vince McMahon, and to a lesser extent, because you have to give Triple H dual credit and blame, um, Triple H historically has been very political behind the scenes, um, very much into... Uh, muscles, you know, he and Steph go sit front row bodybuilding shows. It's one of the reasons he and Vince McMahon bonded. But you got to then look at the look at the other, the flip side, and, and what he's uh, led the way on when it comes to NXT and seeing the Daniel Bryan phenomenon and having to placate Vince McMahon's views on Daniel Bryan, battle his own views on Daniel Bryan um, internally, but also recognize what a big part of the fan base wants. In, and presenting that in the form of NXT. And Sami Zayn, in a tweet that WWE acknowledged last night, talked about how Daniel Bryan was a trailblazer of sorts for the, uh, the smaller wrestler, the indie standout. So I think Daniel Bryan's going to go down as one of the more influential... I, I, let me check that, that, that wording. Daniel Bryan might go down. It's too early to tell. And I don't even want to sound overly optimistic about this, but Daniel Bryan might go down as one of the most influential wrestlers of his generation. Not just one of the best, but one of the most influential because his retirement and the crowd reaction to it, and even more so, what he accomplished and the passionate reaction and popularity he had, minus the machinery presenting him in that as that and framing him that way, might open the door for Sami Zayn, Finn Balor. I don't think if uh, Jason, I don't think if AJ, uh, if Daniel Bryan got over the way he did, I don't. If if Daniel Bryan did not get over the way he did, I do not know that AJ Styles is working for WWE right now. Possibly not. Yeah, it's very possible he did. I, I really think Triple H does get it, though. I, I think because people who were there at the time will tell you now, maybe not the entire time, but there came a point where he was the most vocal supporter. Within that inner circle for Daniel Bryan, yeah. and, and I think we do see that in NXT now. I, I think we are seeing that 
Yeah, he may have his hang-ups over bodybuilding and things like that. I, I'm not seeing signs of it on the NXT roster, are you? Um, signs of what? Just Triple Re- H having this bodybuilder fetish. I mean, no, no, well, no, no, I don't. But I, I also think that it's possible that's because they just haven't found guys with those types of bodies that he's had the chance to push. And, and I don't mean that that would be a bad thing. I mean, I think there's, a, there's room, and I've always argued for room for a whole wide range of body types in wrestling. I think having everybody the same size as Daniel Bryan, Sami Zayn, Finn Balor, that's not my ideal company. I just think the roster should be diverse. I, I think if, if, if in developmental people were ready, there were guys ready who were six foot four and muscular, I think they'd be getting pushed too. I, I don't think Triple H is excluding sure. them. I think it's more who's ready and part of it too, Jason, and, and is is how NXT has taken off and what the fans react to. And you know, this is sort of a side subject, but it does relate to Daniel Bryan. When you go to an indie show, you're going for a different reason. Most of the, t- in almost all cases, I would argue, than people who go to a WWE house show at a big arena. You, you're, you're, there's families, there's kids, there's more casual fans. They want to see larger-than-life stars, and sometimes they're sitting in an upper deck. Sometimes they're sitting 100 feet away from the ring. And it's about the lights and the shows and the TV stars and the superhero aspect of it. Indie wrestling, there's, I don't, can you think of one indie promotion, Jason, that thrived and grew and was popular that featured larger-than-average muscular wrestlers doing a WWE main event style? No, no, not yeah. at all. Now, nothing, part of, nothing comes to mind at all. And part of the reason for that is, well, WWE, you know, snatches up those people. They don't stay on the indie scene long if they're any good. Sure. But even more so, I would say that the reason for that is people who go to indie wrestling want a more athletic brand of wrestling. And the size is inconsequential because they're so close to the ring it, 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 that they just want to see guys who can go, who can tell, tell that story in the ring and wrestle at that pace. But it's never been tested on a national basis with the type of production values and budget and marketing that WWE is able to give to NXT. It's never been tested before on a large scale. And that's why, in addition to Daniel Bryan and his, this aspect of the story, NXT drawing the crowds that it's drawing and, and tr- going on the road and across, con- across oceans to other continents and doing well, I think is a fascinating story that we're almost underplaying, which is there's a huge, huge untapped revenue base of fans who want to see a more NXT or indie style than Vince McMahon's vision of what wrestling should be. And, and I, I think in two, three years down the line, if it keeps going on this course, it, it, it could totally change the way that wrestling is presented even on a national scale um, years from now. And, and Daniel Bryan's part of that story. He, he absolutely is. I think he has proved that it's not just the ardent wrestling fan that when he when you present these guys to the national audience they click they get over so yeah nxt may draw in more of the ardent fan because you have to kind of work for it you have to have the network in, in order to see it but with wwe I, I mean seth rollins is proof of that daniel bryan and the list goes on cm punk was proof of that vince is just a guy who doesn't get it he's the guy that's still hung up on well, I'm going to make Roman Reigns work. I know what they want. They're telling me what they want, but I know better. And it, until he changes his ways or is out of the picture, I, I mean, I, I think we're in for more of the same. We're going to get 
uh, we'll get a bone thrown to us with whatever they do with AJ Styles here and there. But but it's not like he was behind Daniel Bryan. Even when it was so obvious what people wanted, this guy was still going with Batista and Randy Orton as his WrestleMania main event. Even when he went with Daniel Bryan and he had the storybook ending at WrestleMania, which everyone was gushing over last night on the Raw broadcast, he still wasn't behind Daniel Bryan. So I, I just don't know that Vince McMahon is, is if he's ever going to change his ways at this late stage in his life. He is. Vince McMahon is driven by network buys and by TV ratings and by crowd reactions, but he seems to be fighting it. And, and well, we could do another 10, 15 minutes on this, Jason. Let's, let's, um, let's cut to our first break of the hour and uh, come back and start taking calls. Our number is 646-721-9828. 646-721-9828. Looks like we've got a, close to a dozen people on hold right now, so we'll start taking calls. Uh, good conversation, Jason. A good start to what will be a conversation all week on uh, the live cast and on our respective uh, membership audio shows. We'll be talking about that as the show progresses. And uh, when we come back from our first break, we're going to talk about the Raw TV ratings that just came in and uh, put those in perspective. So um, we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. Announcing our first VIP sale of 2021. Just 99 cents gets you a full month of VIP access. If you act now, go to pwtorch.com slash govip. Enter coupon code 2021SALE. That's right, 2021SALE. And that'll take $9 off our usual $9.99 monthly subscription price. That's 2021SALE. Enter that in the coupon code box on our sign-up form at pwtorch.com slash govip. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with Midi Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at Midi understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And Midi can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. Midi clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Searching for more great pro wrestling talk? Then join me, Jason Powell, host of the free weekly Pro Wrestling Boom podcast. Each week, you'll hear the latest news and analysis from me and my team at ProWrestling.net along with other pro wrestling media members. Plus, the Pro Wrestling Boom podcast features long-form interviews with notable names in the pro wrestling industry. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, and all your favorite secondary apps, or visit us directly at PWBoom.com. Once again, that's PWBoom.com. All 
Uh, Jason, uh, raw ratings came in at a 2.68. Um, does that surprise you that it went up that much, or that, do you think it should have gone up more? Um, I think it was a 2.65 is what I have it as here. I'm what did I just say? The chart. I think 2.68. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, go ahead. Yep. I, I, admit, I may be mistaken, but... Um, the only thing that surprised me a little bit was the, the hourly numbers and that Daniel Bryan being held off until the third hour, you know, the, the closing of the show, didn't lead to a bigger number. And obviously, Daniel Bryan's, the bulk of his speech took place in the overrun, which isn't counted in that third hour number. But still, I, I thought more people would have stuck around through that third hour, as miserable as it may have been at times, to actually just, just to stick with the show from start to finish, waiting for Daniel Bryan. But yeah, 2.65 um, is, is a number on my chart, too. I just uh, double-checked that. So um, anyway, I don't want to get too hung up on, uh, on uh, ratings talk and get off on track again in terms of getting to our callers. Let's, uh, let's dive in to the phone calls right now, Jason. And uh, let's go ahead and begin with uh, area code 770. 770, please state your name and where you're calling from. Jimmy from Atlanta, Georgia. Hey, Jimmy, what have you got for us today? Uh, two quick questions. <clears throat> One with Daniel Bryan. With some putting him at the end of the show, do you think Vince McMahon thinks he might still be some kind of draw in the future for some publicity or anything? Do you, uh, your phone line's and, not great, uh, Jimmy. Hold on. Do, are, what, do we think Vince McMahon thinks he's a draw and what? Do you think Vince McMahon finally might have realized he can still draw somehow, even if it's in the back doing something for, uh, I don't know, charity events and stuff? Okay, yeah. Yeah, Jason, uh, it's, a, it's an, a, a question that is coming up. Um, what's next for Daniel Bryan, and does it involve doing something on the air? i got to say, I'm not crazy about Daniel Bryan necessarily doing anything else. I, I, it'd almost be just kind of sad. I mean, I don't mean to... I don't know. I mean, if he wants to, I'm all for it, but I don't, I don't know that having Daniel Bryan around but not wrestling is necessarily um, something that would be great for for fans at this point. I certainly don't want... Dan- I don't think Daniel Bryan's a good fit for, uh, for an authority figure. I, he might be good on color commentary, but my, my thinking is it might take a few years um, for him to be away before it will be more exciting and happy than sad and depressing to have him on TV young enough to wrestle, but because of concussions, not able to. I tell you, if they ever have a wrestling bear, he is your guy. And anyone who has seen that video that he referred to in the uh, WWE.com thing knows exactly what I'm talking about. But no, I'm happy you said that because I, anytime I think about Daniel Bryan, when people say he should be the, the new general manager or things like that, I just have Mick Foley pop through my head. And when Mick Foley left, he was still there was a lot of feel good thoughts about Mick Foley. And he was overexposed, and he took part in a lot of clowning around segments, and I think naturally that, I just don't trust WWE to do anything differently with Daniel Bryan, and, and I, I, there's just part of me, selfishly, that wants him just to kind of leave it alone. doesn't mean he can't ever appear. I think he should, by all means, show up and make special appearances from time to time and in key spots, but I just don't want him to be that guy that, well, we know people like him, we don't really know what to do with him, so let, but let's just put him on TV and we'll figure it out. Yeah, yeah. I, I, we've seen it with Kurt Angle. We've seen it, especially with Steve Austin when he was injured. There's just, unless somebody had a full career and retired, and it's a feel-good story in that respect, I don't know that just finding something for them to do to put him on TV works. I, I don't know that Shawn Michaels has ever been particularly effective outside of being the showstopper active wrestler. There's so many good wrestlers who were good at wrestling who just 
they don't serve a real purpose, certainly not week to week. So I'm with you. A special occasion, uh, guest enforcer referee for a match where it seems like there's a backstory and it would be appropriate, something like that, yeah. But beyond that... Um, well, I, just, I will tell you where I think we could see him at WrestleMania. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm beginning to wonder this Brie thing. Now, okay, is she suddenly in the title picture just because it's maybe like it's a nice thing to do? Is it because they're going to do something at Fastlane and they're going to take her on a journey? You know, we're all looking at Charlotte, Becky Lynch, and Sasha Banks, and with Daniel Bryan's re- uh, sudden retirement, that may have changed things. Maybe they want him to be a part of her journey to winning the Divas Championship. I mean, for all I know, she's leaving along with him, and they're just giving her one final send-off in a, in a higher-profile match. But right. that did cross my mind today. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll have to keep an eye out for that. All right, let's go next to area code 561. Please state your name and where you're calling from. Hey, guys, it's Wayne from uh, Spring Hill, Florida. Hey, Wayne, good to hear from you. What have you got for Jason and me? Well, I was, uh, I was uh, thinking one of the things I thought of when I was watching Daniel Bryan's um, speech was, number one, just what, what a genuinely nice guy he really does seem. I never met him. And, um, you oh, know, he's a probably, jerk in person. You know, never he's will. a real jerk in person. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. <laughs> but he just, he just had such a great, you know, just you could just see his personality. My wife, who's not a regular watcher, uh, you know, wrestling. She catches pay per views from time to time. She she really likes him. Just in her only explanation is he just seems like a really nice guy. Um, and you know, and I, I hope he does have some kind of ambassador position at least. You know, from time to time, even if it's behind the scenes in some way, uh, and we do get to see him. But do you? Uh, I hope they don't. But do you foresee them maybe kind of taking advantage of this uh, and drawing some attention to WrestleMania with him and maybe giving him a a Hall of Fame spot. I, I hope it's further down the line, uh, but they did it really quick with Edge, and I don't know if this is something they might do with him. Funny you should ask, uh, because we put up a poll at pwtorch.com earlier today asking that very question. Should Daniel Bryan go into the Hall of Fame this oh, year? Cool. And if he goes in this year, should he headline above Sting, co-headline with Sting, although someone has to go on last, or go on before Sting? And Or should they wait till next year, when he can have the stage to himself more so, and a little more time has gone by, so maybe it feels a little more, a little better, a little less sad that he's not wrestling. Or, and we put this option and some are voting for it, is he not necessarily Hall of Fame worthy? Is that something that we need some time to reflect on and not get wrapped up emotionally? People are voting for that option, too. You can check out the current results at pwtorch.com and on our free PW Torch app, by the way, which is free on iOS and Android. Um, uh, uh, Jason, your, your thoughts. Uh, I don't know if it'll be this year. I, okay, they may just because of the Edge thing. You know, they turned around and put Edge in right away. Obviously, he's Hall of Fame worthy by WWE standards, and, and I think in, in most in most cases, I think he is a Hall of Famer, uh, even when it's a little stricter policy. But I, the reason I say I wouldn't mind seeing them wait is because we just got such a great speech last night. I, I kind of want to digest that for a year. I, I want that to be the memory for a year. I don't want him having to turn around make a very similar speech at the Hall of Fame. And so I personally would like to see them wait. Uh, yeah, I have mixed feelings. I mean, I, I think the edge precedent means maybe do it right away. Um, I, 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 would, I, have, I think Sting deserves to be in the Hall of Fame on many standards, but it wouldn't break my heart if Daniel Bryan headlined over Sting. Um, oh, but, sure. But I also understand that some people are going to look at the totality of Sting's career in the public eye and which started in the late 80s and continued through last fall 
and compare that to Daniel Bryan, who had a, a shorter career, about 16 years. And only a third of that was really in a true national spotlight, whereas Sting was part of the Monday Night Wars. He was part of a huge clash of champions uh, up, up against WrestleMania. Um, I, anyway, I mean, there's just so many interesting comparisons between the two of them. It's actually an interesting case study in uh, two very different Hall of Fame qualifications. And who goes, I, I, I'm kind of okay if he goes in this year as a co-headliner with Sting. I feel maybe a little better waiting a year and having him be the guy um, and not having that internal debate over, well, the Sting go on last, what does that say symbolically? Because Daniel Bryan was such a better wrestler than Sting. Um, and really, I, I would argue, more popular than him at his peak than Sting was at his peak. Uh, so I agree. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, question. I, I have to think about it more, but the, the poll response so far is pretty interesting. Hey guys, it's Mike McMahon from the All Elite After Show. Every week, Andrew Socek and I break down AEW on our free PW Torch podcast. We've been doing this show since 2016. That's right. We're on our fifth year. When we started the show back then, we were talking just Impact Wrestling, and we still talk about them from time to time as well. And over the years, we've branched out to also discuss MLW, and of course, the main event of our program, which is always the latest going on in AEW. Again, the show is called the All Elite After Show with me, Mike McMahon, and my partner, Andrew Socek. You can check us out as part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. You can subscribe to our show and all of the Daily Cast shows just by searching PW Torch on any podcast cast app and of course you can listen ad free with a pw torch vip membership um uh, wayne go ahead with uh, any follow-up or another question if you have one well, my, uh, my, my follow-up to that is, you know, given the fact that Daniel's still relatively healthy as far as, you know, just physical health-wise and that kind of thing, he's a young guy, uh, they don't necessarily have to go with him right away because, uh, you know, five years down the line, he'll still be recognizable and, and that kind of deal. And sometimes the Hall of Fame is territorial. And so, like, Texas, you know, the yeah. things from Texas – Maybe the Freebirds will go in this year, you know, like that, some, you know, more Texas themed folks will go in. Um, and so I'm thinking that maybe, you know, if there's ever a WrestleMania in the Pacific Northwest, maybe that's when Dane O'Brien goes in. Or I'm not all that familiar with Ring of Honor's territories, but maybe a territory that's more kind of recognizable through Ring of Honor, you know, maybe they'll put them in there as well. Who knows? Yeah, no, I mean, those are factors. Uh, if they think they're going to be in Seattle, uh, for WrestleMania in the next two years. I mean, uh, I would say that would or take... Or Rahway, New Jersey. <laughs> or what? Rahway, New Jersey. Isn't that how it's pronounced? I don't get it. <laughs> he has about Ring of Honor in their, their hotbed, so I'm just going oh. back to the old school days when they were at the Rec Center. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Sometimes it just goes right over my head. Yes, uh, ROH nor- in the Northeast would be... Uh, certainly w- would be an area where... Dan- I-, I think Daniel Bryan's popularity in ROH has actually been overtaken by basically any WWE town, though. Um, 
You know, like I, I, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, so from a regional standpoint, I think if you're a wrestler like you know the Von Erics or something, where it was you know just predominantly Texas, then I think you could make the argument. Well, you know, let's let's wait till there's WrestleMania there because there's no urgency. They, re- you know, they retired or and haven't been active for decades. With someone like Daniel Bryan, I think you want to you think a little less about the geography and a little more about the timing. Um, Wayne, anything else before I let you go? Move on to the next call. Uh, no, guys, that's about it. Listen, I'm, I'm loving my VIP membership, and uh, you just really just enjoying all the audio content. I'm up early in the morning uh, listening to you guys, uh, you know, and, and really enjoying that. Loving all the newsletters and all the extra bonus material. Um, and, and that Saturday morning show uh, with Jim Valley, you know, just talking Saturday morning retro stuff. <laughs> it's just it, it's perfect for my Saturday. Yeah. I love listening, and, and I love reminiscing. So thank you so much for all that content, man. Love being a VIP member. Wayne, thank you for the uh, kind words. We'll be sure to reference that when I plug VIP in a moment. <laughs> Thanks so much. All right. Um, you got it. All right, cool. All right, let's get in uh, another call here and go to uh, 773, I believe is up next. Uh, 773, please state your name and where you're calling from. Boris from Chicago. Hey, Boris. What have you got for us today? First question, did you guys tear up? That is a personal question. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> yeah, I, I did a little. I did Nobody's a little. Gonna yeah. Admit it? yeah, it's hard. I it, won't admit it either. <laughs> yeah, I did a little. I thought that was uh, that that was real, real emotion. I, you know, when he talked about his dad, um, that was that was real poignant. Um, when he talked about how he soaked up the moment with his eyes closed. Uh, Jason, yeah. that was, that was yeah. so Daniel Bryan, and I love that. I, I, I mean, not not to be like too. I don't know if corny is a word or anything like that, but I, I love that. Like he decided to experience that moment using different senses, and then recognized that's what he did, and then talked about it. And I have to say, a side effect or a sidebar of why I enjoyed it is I bet. Triple H and Vince McMahon. Well, I don't want to pick. I, there were people backstage. Kevin Dunn, Vince McMahon, who were, were probably just rolling their eyes at that. Go, what? Oh, there's that. There's that. That you know, he's probably meditating out there. This is wrestling. We, like I just in my mind, I just got a little, little, little extra satisfaction on the fact that it, it was probably like not owning a TV and, and being a vegan for a while. That that where it was like received as something so Daniel Bryan that people were rolling their eyes. I loved it. Uh, I, it was just—it was such a genuine thirty minutes. I mean, I could go on and on. I don't want to repeat myself, but yeah, it was an emotional thirty minutes. Uh, Jason, I, over to you. Yeah, I, I want Vince Cam because I, I really think it would have. What, what the hell is he doing? I, I think there would have been one of those moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, did I get emotional during? Sure, absolutely. Not as much as I expected to. Not that it w- didn't tug at the heartstrings, but yeah. just because he kept shifting emotion so well he did. it was yes, one of the better speeches I, i've seen i mean it was it was just i i wrote about it today i've seen so many as a sports fan retirement speeches and the setting is certainly better you have a a, a very excitable hometown crowd whereas in sports it's a lot of usually a room full of reporters and cameramen but still i mean he just had that it, without trying he was just out there being himself you could tell he probably had an outline of things that he wanted to say but he just hit such a home run with that speech and kept you one minute just about the time you're thinking, okay, here it comes, where's, where's the box of tissues? Then he'd have you laughing. Yeah. And so he just did such a great job with it. And I, if, I, if I'm going to fully disclose, I, I was probably bawling more than that lady in the front row was. Wow. 
I only get there for Bailey matches. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I wasn't like. I love that they found those people in the crowd. That kid and that woman, especially. Um, really stood out. I mean, it was it, what I love too is there wasn't an empty seat in that place. The last match occurred. Um, uh, you know, the Dudleys turned heel on the Usos. It was uh, the main event match with New Day, and it's not like people left the building at that point. And it was a long night. Uh, I, I don't know that there would have been empty seats anywhere in the country, but I'm not surprised. But I'm also glad that uh, in Seattle that that crowd stayed till late to watch a guy stand in the ring and talk for 30 minutes. Um, you know, not this side of of a uh, you know Bernie Sanders or Donald Trump. Do you see much of that, uh, Boris? What Very else? True. What else do you have for us? I, I well, I was surprised because I didn't, didn't ever think it would happen. My Ric Flair emotional moment has been topped. Oh, okay. Him getting, kicked, him getting kicked by Shawn Michaels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my two favorite moments was him taking off the orange jumpsuit and Triple H flopping like a fish for him in his suit because they re- they tried to do it again. It's not the same effect. And do you think Bailey, if she if things go right for Bailey? Because I did see that little video about uh, the demon and the hug or something. And do you think Bailey will get the same reaction, sort of similar to Daniel Bryan, if she comes to the roster for the push? Yeah, that's a that's that's good, all I have. good question. Thanks, Boris. Good, good hear from you. Um, Boris, one of the uh, charter members of the callers here at the live cast for the six plus years we've been on the air. Jason, um, yeah, Bailey uh, could be in some ways check some of the same boxes that made Daniel Bryan popular um, in terms of coming across as that affable, unassuming, super nice person who appreciates the fans, loves what they do. There's a lot of the, lot of the same traits. Absolutely, and I think at the NXT level, with that fan base she already has, she doesn't have the yes chant, but I think, I mean, just seeing grown men tear up <laughs> watching her matches, I mean, yes. it, it happens, and it's just such a lovable character. How can you not get caught up in the Bailey character? And, you know, I, I don't know much about her personally, but there's nothing that suggests that she's not a good person. And I think that is the key here. You know, you're watching Daniel Bryan's promo, even like regular promos, not just his farewell speech. I never got the sense watching him, and I can be jaded when it comes to some of these guys, that if there's a, 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 an emotional moment in a promo that he's not going backstage going, oh, we got those Mizarks this time. I just, you, you don't get that from him. No. Bailey's kind of the same way. She comes across the right way. She seems very genuine. And, yes, if they tell that story the right way on, on the main roster, yeah, I, I think she can. Uh, Jason, let's uh, break for a moment and get uh, from, from conversation with callers and hear from you about uh, your website and the membership option that you offer. Yeah, absolutely. On the site today, as you as one would expect, it is Daniel Bryan Central, Hayden Gleed, Will Pruitt, Jake. For that. In 2012, NXT transitioned into the developmental system and ultimately the brand you see today. On the Torch VIP podcast, NXT Eight Years Back, we'll be taking a weekly look at this page in NXT's early history. Join Kelly Wells and me, Tom Stout, from PWT Talks NXT every Saturday as we go eight years back to the day to track NXT's rising talents and why they did or didn't work out, exclusively for PW Torch VIP members. All 
right, uh, back to the phone lines. We'll go to a lot of people on hold. So uh, I want to just ask callers to, uh, yeah, I mean, we don't rush, don't talk fast, but please stay on point, and we're going to try to get to as many people as we can here. And we'll uh, start at 480, and then after that, 610 and 678. 480, please state your name and the city you're calling from. Uh, John from Arizona. Hey, John, good to hear from you. What have you got for Jason and me today? Um, I don't know if you guys already talked about it. I got in a little bit late. Um, did uh, what do you guys think we about have, the, We uh, have, John, we have talked about Daniel Bryan, if that's what you're asking about. Uh, no. <laughs> All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, um, what do you think about the Dudley boys uh, turning heel? Yeah, Jason, I'll throw to you first on that one. I got some thoughts. Uh, I'm very happy it finally happened. Someone needed to. They they need a real heel team in that division because you had New Day doing whatever it is New Day does, and it's entertaining. But this breathes some life into the Dudleys. I mean, I, I would really like to see... The Uso brothers get a chance to develop some personalities, real personalities. Not we, we we don't know anything about them still, and hopefully this now being kind of a side to whatever New Day ends up doing will give them that opportunity. But the Dudleys is heel. It just definitely breathes new life into that act. They were nostalgia guys as the way they were positioned. I think it was a mistake, and now hopefully wait they can be more than that. Yeah, I I, I mean it's. I'm fighting the, the tide on this one, but I just hate the what's up headbutt. I think the idea of spreading the legs of your opponent apart and then leaping off the top rope and headbutting their testicles is one of the dumbest, stupidest moves that anybody has ever cheered. So I want them to do it, and I want them to get booed. I don't want it to be a comedy spot or a nostalgia spot. But that's just me. It's a little mini rant in there. I just think it's so stupid that people like that move. It's so unsportsmanlike. It's just, oh, all right. Feel better. I want to think about Daniel Bryan now and deep breaths here and think positive. Um, no, it's on a more on a more serious note. Although I'm sort of serious about that. Um, yes, I, I like the Dudleys as heels, and I mentioned this on the VIP Wade Keller Hotline last night reviewing Raw. I really like uh, the I like the idea of Bubba Ray getting some promo time, and he's such he proved to be such a, an underrated stellar heel promo in TNA. I want Vince McMahon or somebody to give him some time to show that. And if the only time he can do it is on SmackDown, then so be it. I would like to see Bubba Ray bring out something that we have not seen in the Usos yet, which is a promo that involves more than smiling and acting giddy and joking about how they look alike. It's time for something more to be drawn from the Usos. And I think a heel Bubba Ray can do that. And I want to see the Usos seem like they take their job seriously, that they're fighting for something, and they're not just cutesy sports entertainers who wear colorful face paint and come out to cool music and get people to go, Uso, we say, Ooh, you say, oh. I mean, there, there should be more to these guys. Are they men or are they children's, children's characters out of a cartoon? So I want to see this not just for the Dudleys, but I like it because if they're going to feud with the Usos, let's, let's have the Usos show something. Uh, show some fortitude, show some anger about something, and not just be smiling at all the time as one-dimensional, flat, cut-out characters of a Samoan bookend tag team that Vince McMahon seems to limit his tag teams to being. And we know there's more than that to them based on uh, small glimpses, rare glimpses on main TV, but also on uh, Total Divas. So yeah, I-, I like the Dudleys' heels, but I especially like that it might bring out something better from the Usos. Uh, John, anything else? Uh, no, uh, thank you very much. Cool, thanks. That uh, it was at the 38-minute mark that somebody talked about something other than Daniel Bryan, Jason. Just wanted to... Hey, r- real quick on that. What was your thoughts on doing that right before the Daniel Bryan segment? I mean, by the time Raw was over, I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right, the Dudley's turned. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fine. I mean, I think they'll... I think it was 
it was strategic in the sense that I think they can afford to have people forget the Dudley's turn. I don't think you want to do Dean Ambrose, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns right before Brian because I think then, yeah, it's just it, you didn't have any time to digest it. I think it actually makes sense um, to have something upper mid-card, mid-card, um, right before Brian, even if it is an angle. And they can underline it and replay it on SmackDown and uh, Raw next yeah. week. So, yeah, not, not a big deal for my end. All right, uh, 610, as noted, you're up next, and then 678 and 919 are on deck. Go ahead, 610. Please state your name and the city you're calling from. Uh, hi, this is Aaron from Allentown. Hey, Aaron, thanks for calling. What have you got for us? Uh, I have three quick things for you, and they're not Daniel Bryan related, oh, wow, actually. Okay. Yep. Uh, the, the first one is, um, uh, do you think uh, Cena will be back in time for WrestleMania? I've seen a lot of pictures where he's lifting already, and he looks like he might be in good shape. It is two months from now, and if he is... Or you think he will be back by WrestleMania? You think it would be with Undertaker? And if not, I had an idea of maybe Undertaker, AJ Styles. I know you had mentioned you don't like the size difference, but the Phenom versus the Phenomenal one just has a really cool ring to it. And tell us your other topics, and we'll, I'm taking notes here. Okay. Yeah. Um, the other one is, uh, do you think they might do a, a double duty at WrestleMania with Roman Reigns like they did with Daniel Bryan a few years ago? Maybe put him in a, ma- a match where you have to win to get your title shot, then put him in the title match at the end of the show. That might maybe help actually get him over. And uh, my last topic is, uh, The Rock posted a picture of him with a Lucha Underground shirt on. Uh, do you think WWE should start using other wrestling company names, um, like how uh, Jerry Lawler used to call ECW extremely crappy wrestling or how they would reference WCW. Because I think right now one of the big things is wrestling isn't cool. And I think if WWE maybe mentioned other companies, it might bring your attention to other wrestling and maybe make wrestling more irrelevant and bring more people back into the fold. And uh, that's all I got for today. All right, thanks, Aaron. Um, uh, Jason, I I took notes on it, but anything jump out you want to comment on first? Well, I mean, they, they're, they're a little more open with acknowledging the names of other promotions, at least in print. You know, you see, they're not afraid. They'll mention pretty much anyone other than TNA at this point. They, they don't go there, but certainly Evolve they've done, and, and Ring of Honor, uh, even New Japan with uh, and, and the Bullet Club and all of that. And by, I do want to sneak in that you know, we were, a question came up about the Bullet Club shirts being shown last week and whether that was an issue. It was replayed on the uh, This Week show that airs right before the pre-show. Uh, they, they made sure to include that uh, the couple of fans at ringside, so I, I think it's very intentional. Whatever it means, we'll see. Um, but as far as mentioning that on the air, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind, especially Mar Ronaldo on SmackDown. I mean, it's just uh, Michael Cole, JBL would feel forced, I think. But if it comes up in the flow of conversation with Morrow on SmackDown especially, I, w- I would love it if they would mention it. I-, I don't know what real good it does WWE other than maybe earn some you know brownie points from fans who are watching anyway, but I wouldn't mind seeing it. Um, yeah. Um, uh, there's a few things I wanted to comment on about what he said too. But the uh, taker against Cena, if Cena's healthy. Um, yes. I would check that, yes. Um I don't know that they're going to know in time. Um, so that's a, yeah. You know, it, it, if they're if Vince is thinking that, then I think maybe there's uh, a plan is Cena, and a B plan is somebody else, and we'll get clues to that late in the game. The initial diagnosis, based on the history of that kind of shoulder surgery and injury, is closer to uh, six months, maybe longer. Cena 
is ridiculous uh, when it comes to recovering from injuries. Part of that is, well, they overstate how long it'll be so that he can seem ridiculously quick with his recuperative powers. But there is something just genetically about him that, that does seem to recover quickly. Would he be good enough not to work a full-time schedule yet, but do a match with Taker? Yeah, perhaps. Does he want that? If, if Taker's going to retire, I could see Cena going, let's just do it. If Taker's like, ah, nah, I can wrestle one or two matches a year for two, three more years, if that's his thinking then I, I think there's no reason to rush it if it won't if Cena's gonna be potentially weak enough where he would do or, or vulnerable to another injury if he's lifting Taker and having to carry the match. Having two guys on the WrestleMania stage who have not wrestled in months is potential disaster. But what's worse than a bad match is a bunch of empty seats. So I think there's a lot of conflicting things. But yeah, Cena's doing squats and he's put pictures up um, but he's noting that you know the amount of weight that he can do uh, any kind of exercise on is down like ninety percent. You know, for initially he's got to work his way back I up. I think he was lifting the bar, wasn't he? Yeah. So I mean, he's he's keeping his range of motion and some toning in his legs and building muscles in his legs. But obviously, there's there's a real limitation to it. So I, I don't think the odds are particularly good. In fact, I just thought the odds were almost zero a few weeks ago. Um, but, yeah, if we start seeing hints of Taker against somebody else, it doesn't even mean they're for sure doing that because if Cena does miraculously show that he's ready come early, you know, a month from now, if the progress is there, then I think they would, they would shift to that, and it would make a big difference on the card. I, I don't like Undertaker and AJ. Um, I know, you know, I, I just there's not a backstory to it. I, I think having a big match at WrestleMania because they both have nicknames that start with PAG is not a good reason. Um, it's just not. I mean, that's just there. There has to be something besides um, having similar nicknames that drives a WrestleMania match for Undertaker. I think you accentuate AJ Styles' size, and I think you need to put somebody in that ring who's over um, and established and has a backstory where they've earned that. I, I just don't see any logical route to get there, and I don't think it makes sense to put Undertaker in the ring uh, against a babyface unless it's somebody at the John Cena level where it feels like a dream match. Uh, Jason, does that make sense? It, it does, and I, I can tell you definitively. Yeah, that was that was supposed to be the match, Cena yeah. and Taker, and it was supposed to be Taker's final match. And whether or not it turns out to be, you know, maybe that's something they hold off for now. Maybe you know, because Taker has worked a pretty active by his standard schedule, so it's not like he's just limping to the finish line here. So if Cena can't go at Mania, even though it's so perfect with it being in Texas and all that. If Taker still wants Cena to be his last match, it's not so much this WrestleMania. Well, maybe they just hold off until SummerSlam, or if Taker feels like he can wait another year. I think so much just depends on what he wants to do. Um, I don't like Styles and Taker either, but I do like Styles against Brock Lesnar, believe it or not. Even though Brock is a babyface, I think there's a way to do it. Even though there's a big size difference, the way they positioned AJ right now as being this scrappy underdog pit bull guy, I think there, it's not as much of a perfect David versus Goliath match as Daniel Bryan was for Brock Lesnar, but I think you can have some of those elements. Are you a fan of New Japan Pro Wrestling? Then join the New Japan Pride podcast starring Bethany Rubel and Javier Machado with an eye for the action and an eye for the story. We'll keep you abreast of all New Japan shows both in Japan and also covering their American expansion with New Japan Strong. And I'll watch all the Yano matches so Bethany doesn't have to. And I'll watch all of the Ibushi matches. Wait a minute. I didn't script that. <laughs> 
Listen to our weekly podcast exclusively with the PW Torch VIP membership. Become a member at pwtorch.com slash go VIP. The TV last night, the way things seem to be pointing, almost, and again, this may end up fast lane and go no further, but almost seemed like if, if we're resigned, I don't say resigned, that's a loaded statement. If, if, if we're pretty sure uh, that Roman Reigns as a babyface against Triple H as a heel will be the world title match headlining WrestleMania, uh, Ambrose and Lesnar seems to have been a focus of this hype going into this match, more so than Reigns and Lesnar. Jason, do you think it could be not Lesnar versus Braun, Lesnar versus Bray? Uh, could it be Lesnar versus Ambrose one-on-one? I hope so. <laughs> I, I do. I would rather see that match than... Because none of the heels are over. You know, they're, they're seeing to it that Kevin Owens is just another heel now. And he's the guy that I had the most hope for. The League of Nations guys are all in a bad place. The, uh, the, the, the other uh, heel stable. Uh, it just Nothing is really clicking right now. And the Wyatt family, that's who I'm trying to think of. And yeah, you can do that mad scramble where you, all of a sudden you decide it's time for Bray Wyatt to win some matches on TV so that people take him seriously. But people have seen this. I wrote about it in today's Raw Hit List. It's the Bray Wyatt cycle. You do nothing with him all year. Late December, early January, you go, oh, that's right, we need an opponent for this guy. You have him win a bunch of matches, and then he loses. And people have just seen it too many times to take it seriously at this point. So unless you have some great twist on this, don't bother. Give us Ambrose. I, I would welcome that match. Yes, I, I would too. I, I, did you like what they did with, uh, with Ambrose and Lesnar and, and the dynamic between these two baby faces and the way that uh, Ambrose antagonized Lesnar, took a beating, but then got up? Um, and, and took some more. I, I did, because I, I liked the way Brock was featured last night. Yeah, he took the low blow, but it was a low blow he didn't see coming. It, he just, I mean, he just mauled those guys. That's <laughs> Maul what's been missing. Yeah, it, it, he just, that's been missing from his act, is just that destruction. You know, he comes out there and he kind of dances while Paul Heyman talks and, and smiles a little bit. And, and yeah, it, it can be good at times, but it's been a while since we've seen Taker or, or Lesnar just destroy someone or something. We get the best of both. He destroyed a table too, Wade. We got we got that Brock Lesnar furniture destruction that's always so much fun. That is always fun. Um, three very quick plugs. Um, Audible is a sponsor of our program, have been for years. You can get a free audiobook if you go to audibletrial.com slash pro wrestling torch. Hundreds of thousands of titles to choose from. Um, all right, back to phone lines. We got six seven eight and then on deck nine one nine five six one and two one nine. Uh, let's go to, uh, oh, by the way, as far as the last caller went and uh, WWE acknowledging other promotions, my, my, my short answer to that is no, WWE should not be in the business of s- reaching out to millions and millions and millions of people every week, giving free publicity to competitors. Um, Lucha Underground's a competitor. TNA's a competitor. ROH's a competitor. I, I, don't, I don't think they need to do that or should do that. I, it just seems like they should just be good at what they do and do it, um, not try to become cool by doing what rock does rocks you know he's a fan of the show and he senses that it's kind of the cool thing like a bullet club t-shirt um you know okay so he he wears it but no wwe shouldn't be in the business of promoting other businesses i don't think there's enough of an upside to justify that i think there's a rare exception and that would only have to do if they had some sort of a working agreement uh formal or informal such as you know acknowledging the history of a wrestler with ring of honor and and uh getting some of that footage did want to add that i meant to do that before we uh went to some sponsorship notes all right so um six seven eight you're now up finally please state your name and where you're calling from hey guys it's uh craig from atlanta vip member 
Good evening, Craig. What have you got for Jason and me? Uh, I'll tell you what. I woke up this morning feeling pretty resentful of the WWE. I, I feel like more than ever as a wrestling fan, Daniel Bryan's going to be the one you didn't know what you had until he was gone. And I, I just feel like even though he was played with injuries, you know, those last couple of years, they, they still could have done more at times. Um, but my question is, do you think, you know, Wade, you've been – you pushed for, for guys being safer in the ring harder than anyone I've heard over the last several years. Do you think if they would have, have maybe talked to him, uh, talked to Daniel Bryan two years ago and said, hey, you've had a couple concussions, we need you to do this, this, and this, they could have you know, maybe extended his career a couple of years? Or do you think it was kind of a lost cause you know, well before we even knew there was going to be an issue? Yeah, I mean, I, I hate to stand here and say, well, you know, people should have known better, but I'm going to do it anyway. Jason, I think everybody should have known better. Um, I think it was very deliberate in what Daniel Bryan said last night. I think, I don't know. I think it was deliberate that Daniel Bryan wanted to establish that the concussion, that his issue had to do with a lot of concussions he suffered very early. Um, that stood out to me in the, in the positive, warm feelings of the emotions of the moment. Uh, I thought politically whether it's true or not that that put the wheels in motion I thought it was interesting that it got included um, did that jump out to you at all Jason that, that Daniel's like well I had all these concussions early on years before I got to WWE it, it, it felt like they were trying to make sure that people didn't think well it's WWE style it's like the NFL should pro wrestling should WWE even continue to exist if somebody like Daniel Bryan's going to be risking brain injury you know, I was more surprised that they mentioned it than any, that, that he was allowed to mention it. Uh, yeah. Because I, they just, I mean, they didn't even want to say what it was when it happened. They were so, they were so worried about that getting out, and they still are. Any head trauma-related injury, it's, they, they, they won't do stories on, basically. They just kind of ignore it. And so, yeah, it took Daniel Bryan, I think, coming out in mainstream media interviews is where we first had it acknowledged. It wasn't by WWE, and it wasn't for lack of trying. Yeah, yeah. Um... All right. Uh, anything else, Craig? Uh, no, that's all. Okay. I appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Thanks for your VIP membership, Craig. Appreciate it. Yes, sir. Absolutely. All right. Uh, by the way, to sign up for VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP. Um, there's some links there to, that'll take you to different places. There's a delivery option there, too. pwtorch.com slash go VIP. All right. Um, end of plugs. Let's go to uh, 919 next. 919, thanks for holding. Please state your name and the city you're calling from. Hey, uh, this is Neil from Raleigh, North Carolina. Hey, good to hear from you. What's up, Neil? Uh, hey, um, got a question for you. So let's say um, you put a 34-year-old, I think Daniel Bryan's 34, let's say you put a 34-year-old John Cena in the exact same situation that Daniel Bryan's in, where he's cleared by his doctor, but not the WWE doctor, and he's begging and begging to come back to wrestle. Do you think WWE would have treated it the exact same way? Good question. What do you think, Jason? Um, I guess I just don't... Uh, would they have structured it the same with Cena delivering a speech at the end of the night? I, I can no, give me a little I bit think, more... Um, no, what he's saying, uh, Jason... Jason, what he's... Yeah, what he's saying, Jason, is would they have cleared Cena? All right. Hold on, Neil. What now, Wade? Yeah. That's all right. Would they have cleared John Cena to wrestle if everything else were the same because it's John Cena? Oh, I got you. Okay. We'll never know. Um, I'm, I, I think there are going to be a lot of people who should have that test done that will not have that test done. Um, 
I, I don't know that you know, it's, I would, I mean, in a perfect world, yeah, they'd look at it and say, I'm sorry, it's over. We, there's nothing we can do. Um, they did it with Daniel Bryan, and despite the fact that I, I know he's the underdog and everybody thinks Vince McMahon hates him and all of this and that, he was still a valuable commodity. And I, I would like to think, you know, Cena is obviously held in higher regard by WWE, but I would certainly think that they would really open the door to massive lawsuits going forward if they didn't step in and do something with John Cena. So I I would think because they are a publicly traded company and all of that, I I think, yes, Wade, I I do think it would be the same story. I do, too. Um, And I, I I don't think they have a choice. And I think now that Daniel Bryan got that last test, and, you know, he admitted he w- did not want to retire. And I think in the end, WWE is a bit vindicated here by that. Now, Jason, let me, I haven't asked this yet. Do you think we've seen Daniel Bryan wrestle his last match? You know, I, I do. I, I think, okay, the only way I, I'll, I'll leave the door open is that if he continues to pursue this and if he feels like the medical testing is inaccurate, um, somewhere down the road. I think right now, based on what he said last night, I do think he is comfortable with the, the, the medical knowledge that he has to feel like it's over, it's done. What, you know, it, For the longest time, he did fight it, as he talked about, and there were doctors telling him, but whatever test, whatever that test told him, I think put him in this position. We didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't come away from last night, Wade, feeling like he left the door open. Like I did, I, I was going into this wondering: Is this the retirement of Daniel Bryan? Is there going to be some hint that we may not have seen the last of Bryan Danielson wrestling? I didn't get that. Every Sunday night, catch Wrestling Night in America on PWTorchDailyCast.com, hosted by me, PW Torch columnist Greg Parks. Each week, I'll welcome a co-host from the Torch family to discuss the big shows in pro wrestling, taking your calls and emails. You can listen live most weeks beginning at 8 p.m. Eastern. On Sunday nights with a WWE or Impact pay-per-view, we go on the air at the conclusion of that pay-per-view. You can listen live, but of course, the full show is available for download on demand anytime shortly after it airs. Visit PWTorchDailyCast.com and click the live stream link to find the next scheduled live show link. Search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Wrestling Night in America every Sunday, PWTorchDailyCast.com. Yeah, I, I've, I got to go back and forth. You know, I, uh, does Daniel Bryan wrestle one more match for Ring of Honor later this year or next year? Is Daniel Bryan conceding that he can't wrestle full-time? Because, and, I, and I went into this. Uh, I did two-way killer hotlines yesterday for VIP members. One, with the breaking news. I know you did too, Jason. Uh, the breaking news on, on the retirement announcement. And I did some digging and tried to figure out a little bit um, on, on what the story was. Because you know, wanted to make sure it wasn't a work. And wasn't going to be a storyline angle and all that. And, and so dug around a little bit. Put, put that information out there uh, well before Raw went on the air. And then after Raw, kind of reacted to it. And I, I, I went back and forth in terms of you know where I am in terms of Daniel Bryan wanting to wrestle one more time, but I talked about how WWE, and it would be obvious to Daniel Bryan that, that a WWE career is not going to happen if they won't ever let him wrestle, period. Um, they're not going to push him 
to just wrestle on occasion if somehow they think that's safe because of what we talked about, the legal ramifications. I think, I think if five years goes by and testing gets more sophisticated and the medical experts are, pr- are unified in thinking, well, yeah, five years goes by, you've given yourself enough time to heal, you can take a little bit of trauma without you know, any high risk, then maybe Daniel right. Bryan's wrestling at WrestleMania 37. And he will still be, what, 39 at that point or whatever. You know, he'll, be, he'll be young enough where it's not seen as a, uh, you know, a, he's a shell of his um, former self. So, yeah, I wouldn't rule out a 39-year-old Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania 38 in Seattle wrestling a comeback match. Uh, but it would be a one-off. I also am not ruling out Daniel Bryan doing a one-off for Ring of Honor later this year or next year. Uh, but I think it's important and, and imperative that, and this kind of goes to a caller earlier, and I don't think I got into it as much um, as, as I intended to, which is, you know, I don't want to watch Daniel Bryan wrestle and take a bunch of, I don't want to see him do diving headbutts. I don't want to see him taking chair shots. I don't want to even see him doing a lot of flat back bumps. You know, I watched him in a 60-minute draw with Nigel McGuinness once, and there, you know, I mean, it was a brutal match, but there were a lot of parts of it where it's just a showcase of mat wrestling. And so maybe the, the match for Daniel Bryan is a, a comeback match for Ring of Honor that everybody could feel good about would be, uh, a, you know, go back to the pure wrestling rules, um, you know, the pure wrestling title, where it's, it's a different style, and he's against somebody who he just wants to have kind of that, an exhibition of a mat-based style with. It still would be tremendous, and it would be a treat for ROH fans, but it wouldn't be in violation of fans feeling guilty for supporting it financially if they felt that they were contributing to him having neurological problems later. So um, should WWE, I want to just underline this point or expand on it slightly, I think Daniel Bryan should have pulled back sooner on his style. I think WWE should have insisted he not do the top rope diving headbutt. I have heard both arguments uh, vociferously from wrestlers and people in wrestling when I've asked. Um, The majority say, yeah, the diving headbutt's a bad idea when you have neck issues, nerve issues, and brain issues. Um, Other people say, nah, you know, really, if you do it right, and and Daniel Bryan did it right, uh, a flat back bump on on a suplex or a body slam is probably worse. So... But nevertheless, I just think visually, I just I didn't like cheering for a move with a guy with neck and nerve issues and, and, and a history of concussions using his head as a weapon. I mean, it's just that's not fun any more than it's fun watching a quarterback with a history of concussions getting nailed helmet to helmet. It, it, it's not fun. So, yeah, I think WWE should have stepped in sooner. I was ringing that bell with Chris Benoit um, years before he the, the horrible events uh, with him and his family. Um, I was ringing that bell that, you know, after the neck fusion surgery he had and, and with all the issues he was having and known to be having, he shouldn't be doing a top rope headbutt. And, you know, a yeah. member of management, I brought that up to, said, what are we going to do, fine him? And I said, yeah, <laughs> you fight, tell him you're suspended. Every time you do a diving headbutt, you're off TV for three months. And guess what? He's going to stop doing it. They have the power to do that. So I do think they should have stepped in sooner. I think you saw with Daniel Bryan, he admitted there was a level of denial um, that he went through and coping with it. And, you know, but, but at the, you know, and Steve Austin talked to him about it too on the podcast. So I think a lot of people saw that he should have toned things down. And it's unfortunate. I, I don't know that it would have changed the situation he's in uh, drastically. Uh, in a way, it might have been too little too late. But if it weren't this bad, then maybe that would have been enough to extend his career a couple more years. I don't know what he was thinking when he went back to headbutting Seamus. If you read yeah. his book, which came out after that, yes. he was talking about the lesson he and Nigel McGinnis learned together in Ring of Honor from doing that and talking about what a mistake it was. And yet here he is with all these issues, you know, down late in his career, going back to that. I didn't understand it. 
I, I think he's an artist. I don't think he wanted to be limited. I think he fought that. But it was for his own good. And we'll never know. I mean, what if he would? I mean, this was a guy, he's not a guy, a high spot artist. That That's all he knows. He didn't learn the basics, and, and he can go out there and do a bunch of flips and crazy stuff. This guy is a submission expert as far as pro wrestling is concerned. He's a mat-based guy. He can do all of that. He was already over. You know, he didn't. There was no need for him to do some of the things he did. He could have toned it back, and and the fans would have accepted it. it I, the, the yes chant was so over, they would have been thrilled just to see him. And I think he really could have could have changed his style. Again, we won't know if it would have added time to his career. Maybe the damage was already done, as he was maybe hinting at last night, or. Maybe it was the company line, as you suggested. But I do want to go back to the idea of him going to work elsewhere. Yeah. Um, because, the, I, I, okay, he is an artist. And if he is desperate to do that again, and he feels like health-wise it's going to be okay, maybe. you got to remember, he can have a, a long career being affiliated with WWE, beyond the Hall of Fame. He's doing a bunch of World of Wheels appearances here coming up. I, I just think that... From a financial standpoint, I know that money isn't the most important thing to Daniel Bryan, but it obviously has to mean something, that it makes more sense for him to work with WWE. And if you're Ring of Honor, I, I, I mean, or anyone else, how can you put the guy in the ring knowing that there's medical testing out there that says he can't be in the ring, he shouldn't be doing this? I mean, what what is that saying about you as a, a company As if you go ahead and approve this? I think the argument that would be made is that Daniel Bryan retired from full-time active wrestling in WWE and that WWE, for legal reasons, could not justify putting him in the ring because they're a huge corporation and they need to set a certain rule that applies to everybody. I th I, again, I'm not advocating for this. I'm just kind of you know, trying to look ahead at what their rationale might be. But Daniel Bryan might say, I I've got one more match in me. It's not... It's not going to be on WWE's watch. They made it clear to me. I knew my WWE career as a full-timer was over, but I have one more match in me, maybe more than that. I don't know that he would market that. Um, but the idea of, of wrestling you know, uh, 50 more times is not an option, and wrestling more than once in a you know, three- to 12-month span is also not going to happen. Um, but beyond that, um, I, I could maybe see... The I could maybe see Brian and, and the promoter rationalizing that and fans buying into that as a, as an excuse or, or as a rationale. Well, I, think, I do think a lot of fans would. A lot of fans should, they they don't care. They just want to be entertained. And so I think there are fans who would. I I, I mean I just think the, the idea of throwing it away for a match or two that that affiliation with WWE that revenue that comes in. Because I think he would have to choose. I don't think they're going to say, yeah, we'll continue to, to book you for appearances and have you on Total Divas and go ahead and wrestle for Ring of Honor. I just don't see that happening. So he would really have to make a choice there. Yep. Okay. Um, he also asked about uh, Roman Reigns. Going back to our caller a while back. Um, could Roman Reigns wrestle twice on the show? I, I think that actually wouldn't help him get over because I think you, Roman Reigns is going to get one pop from his fans and probably not too loud pops from those who support him. But I think people who don't like him would, would happily boo him twice. I, I think that'd be a mistake. He's not Daniel right. Bryan. Um, it's seeing, 12 more, seeing 12 minutes of Superman punches and drive-bys, I, I, I think that, that doesn't work. I think there's diminishing returns with his style. 
I agree. Yeah, I, 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 don't, I don't think that WrestleMania crowd is going to want to see him once, let alone twice. Well, that's going to be very interesting. And when we shift away from Daniel Bryan talk and, and, and the coming days and weeks, it's going to be interesting to continue to, to follow um, Roman Reigns, who's, who's being very protected these days uh, by WWE, trying to uh, quell uh, any embarrassing situations with him on TV. I'm Rich Fan, host of the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, a weekly part of the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup of shows. Search PW Torch and Apple Podcasts or your podcast app to subscribe. Every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern, I dive in with a guest for an hour on anything in the world of wrestling or wrestling related. Want to hear about the influence of historical figures like Big Cat or Any Lad? We gotcha. Want to hear about how crazy the Marine movies got? We are on it. No topic is too big or too small. So if you want to dive in with us, call in live or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch Daily Cast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com. All right, so many people on hold in so little time. Let's go to 561 next. 561, please state your name and where you're calling from. Hey, guys. Uh, my name's Donnie from Orlando, Florida. Hey, Donnie. What have you got for us? A um, couple quick things. Uh, two about the uh, main event scene right now. Um, there's not much in WWE that's really great, I think. Um, but the main event scene seems really confusing. Um I wanted to get your guys' opinion on how uh, Dean Ambrose was portrayed last night. Um, I'm usually a, an Ambrose fan, but I thought he just came off as super childish. Uh, he and, and Reigns both at the end there. Uh, he mentioned men, male genitalia too many times for my liking, uh, and I thought the low blow and the celebration thereafter was just... I don't know, it just didn't strike me in the... Uh, as, as the Iron Man, tough man that he's trying to uh, you know, promote himself as. Yeah. Uh, uh, Jason, you talked about it a little more than I did earlier in the show. And I, I, I mean, I have some mixed feelings. I mean, a baby face giving anybody, even a badass like Brock Lesnar, a low blow from behind as his equalizer uh, doesn't feel real admirable. Um, I did like the idea that Dean is just, he's, you know, he's a little out there. There's a little bit of Roddy Piper in him where you just, I don't know what to expect. He's just, he's crazy and he gets obsessed with something and he pushes buttons that maybe he shouldn't be pushing and goes further than someone a little more level and sane than him would go. So I think there's some more latitude there. I like this version of Dean better than the zany one who is basically, you know, shooting silly string at people and whatever. But there's another version of Dean Ambrose I like better, um, which is, you know, the leader of the Shield and the way that he talked. So, um, uh, Jason, any, any thoughts on what Donnie added to this topic? Yeah, there was a little Tommy Dreamer to this. You know, the, the whole, thank you, sir, may I have another bit, where he just keeps coming back for more. He's not afraid of Lesnar. He will take the abuse. But it doesn't really position him as a guy that you think is going to win. Um, he looks like the guy most likely to lose the triple threat match, and they can always you know, pull, surprise everybody. But I, I think if they're building to a match with Lesnar, let's see what the payoff is. If it's just for this triple threat and they go in different directions, I yeah, I, I mean, I, I think it, Brock came out of this looking a lot better. The one thing about Ambrose is that, that, that irks me at times. He doesn't go too far overboard, but he does cross the line a little bit when it comes to the character being a little too cute. 
Um, I didn't get that as much last night, but there are times with some of his lines where it doesn't feel like he's that rambling Roddy Piper type where he, you feel like he sat backstage and thought all day about it or a writer came up with a line for him to read. And, and I, I don't like that for Gene Ambrose especially because I think that character should feel like what he's saying is off the cuff. Yeah, yep. I, I think there's a higher level for Dean Ambrose to go in terms of how he's framed, portrayed, and executed. That is more main event and more money. Um, maybe they're on a journey with that. Uh, it seems like he's more of a work in progress than he should be. Uh, but I'm I'm a big fan of his upside, and I was a big fan of his the way he carried himself in the Shield. I, I think. In the shield, Jason, the difference is when he talked, it felt like I need to listen to this guy because he has more, I guess, more dignity than maybe the current character has. Um, he could snap, but he had that leadership quality. And now, you know, he's a little bit Shawn Michaels to Triple H in that, you know, the dynamic between Ambrose and Reigns is, is Dean just kind of being a little too zany. And I think there's still a little zaniness there that they could, they could temper. But mostly I'm okay with it. Um, in the way that he's going. Anyway, um, Donnie, any any follow up from us, or from you, I should say, for us? Um, yeah, one one last thing I wanted sure. to discuss was uh, Roman Reigns uh, and the reaction he got. Uh, I, I'm starting to kind of feel that the three hour Raw format might be one of the uh, biggest. Um, uh, what's the word? Uh, things that that he needs to uh, that that might be holding him down. Um, just as the first time his music hit in the opening segment, it seemed like it was a really big pop from the crowd, uh, not a lot of booze. Um, but then as the night went on, each time he was on screen um, or his music hit, it just seemed like it was people got, like you heard more groans and kind of sighs, and it was he just his popularity sort of dropped off in that, in the span of three hours. And I was wondering um, if you guys you know, notice that and could think of any solutions to possibly keeping him over. <laughs> uh, boy, wouldn't, wouldn't Vince like to have that uh, information? <laughs> uh, Jason? He's overexposed. Uh, you know, I, I think anyone who's in a main event position in WWE is going to be. I don't think they have to be. I think we're seeing, and hopefully this starts to happen. You know, there was talk, going back to Daniel Bryan again, that at one point, he and some other guys wanted to kind of be the faces of SmackDown and kind of uh, and maybe we're starting to see that now with AJ Styles and Chris Jericho kind of doing their thing on SmackDown. You know, who knows how long Jericho will be around, but maybe they'll start to make guys not 100% exclusive, but I think Reigns would benefit from not appearing on every Raw, every SmackDown um, pick one you know, and, and yeah. limit his appearances because he is a guy. I mean, they, they are so protective of him that when you see him, there, there, there's times where he doesn't say much, like last night again. And, I, I mean, but the, the match itself has to change. I mean, it's just, it is so much of the same thing that you see from him week in and week out. And it would help if he didn't wrestle so frequently on television. But 
eventually people are going to pick up on that anyway. I mean, how many times have you, it's not just the punch, kick, clothesline, and, and, and the regular move set. How many times have you seen this guy go barreling into the ring steps? It's like a, a weekly occurrence with yeah. him. It's it is. I mean, this idea that well, maybe it would fix Roman Reigns if he appeared on you know forty percent fewer TV shows or forty percent less off. It's like the, when you have to have that discussion with someone you're trying to main event WrestleMania with. Maybe you pick the wrong guy to main event WrestleMania with. You know, maybe oh, it's, for sure. You know, and that's that's where I just the money is in Roman Reigns turning heel and uh, if Cena's not ready by fast lane, um, turn Roman Reigns heel, have Ambrose win the match face. Triple H, I think the fans would rather see that and have uh, Lesnar do whatever he's going to do with whomever he's going to do it with, uh, Braun Strowman or Bray Wyatt or somebody else, and then Roman Undertaker. Reigns. And then ha- what? Oh, I, I'm sorry, I thought you were saying Roman Reigns. I was going to say Reigns Taker. Yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's what I'm going to. And then Reigns says, um, you know, I got screwed out of my world title match, but, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm sick of people booing me, blah, blah, blah. Um, I want to make people hate me even more. I want to end Undertaker's career. And if you want to get un- <laughs> Reigns over as a heel, have him end Undertaker's career. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, and, and uh, have him ride that way for two and a half, three years before you even consider a babyface turn. And then you start looking for other people on the roster to be your new lead babyface. Um, so, yeah. Interesting times ahead. Let's go. Uh, th- thanks, uh, um, Donnie. Appreciate the call. Good day from you. Call again. He is I, and I am him. And I'm Matt Taven, the real Ring of Honor world champion. And you know how I show everyone that I get it? By tuning in to the podcast of Honor with Tyler and my personal main man, Ryan. This is Ryan. And I'm Tyler. And we are the hosts of the wildly popular PW Torch VIP show, Podcast of Honor. Our show covers everything Ring of Honor wrestling, from analysis, show recaps, and wide-ranging interviews with the stars of Ring of Honor. Download the Podcast of Honor each week and support the best podcast on the PW Torch VIP network. Let's go to a 219 next. 219, thanks for holding. Please state your name and the city you're calling from. Yeah, hi. Uh, Wade and Jason. This is Charlie from Chicago. Hey, Charlie. Good to hear from you. What have you got for Jason and me? Yeah, yeah. Um, I just got two things. Uh, the first one's just kind of a comment. Uh, did you guys happen to see the continued Daniel Bryan retirement segment that was on the network? Like when yeah. he went up the ring hugged Vince? Uh, yeah. I don't see anyone talking about it today, but it seems like there was some kind of altercation with Vince and Titus O'Neil. Um, it looks as if he shoved Titus O'Neil after Brian walked through the curtain and they kind of still had the camera on the group and Vince is walking in the back and you see an arm like kind of stop him and then you see Vince shove someone and uh, I saw it on the actual feed and then I saw a fan video of like the whole retirement and you can kind of see he's clearly shoving Titus O'Neil some so, I don't know. I just didn't see anyone talking about it online. I thought I'd bring it up to you guys. I, I didn't see that, Jason. Did, did you notice that? Yeah, I did. I didn't see who it was, but I did go back and watch a couple of times. Like, what is he doing? Yeah. I don't know if that's Vince joking around. You know, I mean, he, he, I could definitely see him playing around and, you know, shoving somebody and thinking it's funny or something like that. Um, so, I, but I, so, I didn't want to read too much into it. I'm just not sure what happened there. Why why he shoved the person. It may have all just been in fun and games. Because Vince thinks the funniest thing in the world is shoving someone into a swimming pool fully clothed. That is very true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a look at it. I didn't see that. So, um, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, and I didn't... 
Sure, I didn't think there was too much to it, but uh, the oh. other thing I wanted to ask, uh, yeah. you guys have been talking a lot about AJ Styles, you know, what will become of him in WWE, and um, I just kind of wanted to know, do you think it's possible that like NXT, the brand, cause, could lose its value in the eyes of the fans if the call-ups to the main roster never amount to anything significant hmm, in terms of like being made a focal point or having a world title reign? You know, Greg Parks uh, has, uh, is writing a column on three different topics this week. One of them in the Prosing Torch newsletter this week is on uh, the NXT TV show and whether it's overrated. Um, interesting topic. He makes his case for that. Um, as far as NXT losing some luster because talent doesn't get over on the main roster, Jason, in a way, I almost think, and I mean, it's, it, I'm not sure, but it might work the other way. NXT might be more over because they know how to feature the talent that is the most talented. <laughs> um, that the heat would be on Vince McMahon for not getting the talent over, and fans of NXT would embrace NXT even more because they don't bury or misuse the guys like AJ Styles, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe, take your pick, Sami Zayn. Um, what side do you think it's more likely to, to land on, Jason? Um, I, I think that what you're saying here is, is a case where fans would just flock to NXT. At least they use them the right way. I can see them do their thing here, and if WWE drops the ball, screw them. I'm going to keep watching NXT to see the next guy and just see it done right. Um, and I don't know what position Greg is taking, but I'll say this much. This last batch of television tapings has been, it's been overrated. It's been, I, you know, I, I've been praising NXT for being a, a, a better television show lately, but uh, and, and actually having more storyline content rather than being just a bunch of matches. But, boy, these, last, uh, these recent weeks of television have been just a bunch of matches. Yeah. Yeah, I've been a little down on it, too. I mean, not everything can be... And, and uh, by the way, I don't need uh, every show to just blow me away. Um, because, you know, Jason, right. you and I grew up in the same era. There was an hour of TV. It's about establishing characters. It's about pacing pacing angles. It's not about hot-shotting. They're not about drawing TV ratings. It's about getting people, you know, giving experience to... Uh, to wrestlers and giving them a chance to get over, and I, I like the scaled back format and all uh, of just having a, a squash match and an interview and then another match and then an interview and it's relaxing. It's in, it's enjoyable. <laughs> um, that said, I, I don't think that we started the year with the hottest the hottest stretch of uh, you know what are we at four three four, t- tomorrow night will be what the fourth new show of the year maybe so um, but yeah I mean not a big deal I'm not not panicked about it or anything like that but I do think it could work in their favor. Um, uh, Charlie, anything else for us? Uh, yeah, um, do you think Jim Ross has any, uh, I don't know, if there's any interest in WWE now that he's coming back to the announce table, maybe even just in NXT? I mean, I know this topic's been beat to death, but since he is coming back, I feel like a couple of years after we perked up over in uh, Connecticut. Jason, what do you think? I think, yeah, I think Jim Ross is always open to doing something with WWE. I, I get the sense that they don't want him for a role that he would want to, to, to yeah. play. 90 you know, seconds. He, I think he wants to do play-by-play, and he's getting that opportunity now. If they throw enough money his way to, to sit on the sideline and do some stuff for the network, I'm sure he'd listen, but um, I, I think he's got enough projects going right now that he's a busy guy, and, and he doesn't need the money, and so he's going to pick and choose what he wants, but I, I think that door will always be open. Yeah, I'm with you on that. All right. Hey, uh, can I back up? I, I yeah. do want to say the opposite could happen, though, with NXT. Yeah. What if they, all these guys get called up and the WWE itself becomes more like NXT is now? They start to showcase the guys that, that fans want to see, guys and women. 
Where does that leave NXT if all of a sudden WWE is basically filling that void that NXT fills currently fills? I, I think they'll be fine if because I think there's a lot of good talent out there on the indie scene, and probably more than you know we see uh, than we get a chance to see Jason of the the next layer of developmental that aren't on television. Um, in fact, speaking of Greg Parks, he went to the NXT developmental house show in Florida a couple weekends back and wrote about it in depth. Um, this is a show that had, what, maybe three wrestlers who have been on TV, um, and the rest were guys who are at that next layer down, who haven't made it to the, even the TV show yet on a regular basis. I mean, a few made jobber appearances, but... Ten um, seconds. And so, but I, I think they're... So you can read about that next layer. You know, that's one of the... Um, one of the things to look look for if you go VIP or are VIP member last week's Greg Parks column. Um, but that, that all said, I, I think that there's enough good talent out there that they can lose everybody on the current NXT TV roster and have a really strong TV show. There'd be, I mean, there'd be a rebuilding stage a little bit, but I, I'm not worried about. I'm not worried about there not being, you know, twelve to fourteen really good wrestlers who aren't on WWE's main roster being able to fill one hour a week of TV and a two hour special every two three months. I, I think. I think. The more there is a rotation, the more it'll keep things from getting stale. And I like the idea of NXT having a rotation of some new guys who are young mixed with an Austin Aries or a Samoa Joe, where they're the guys who are kind of, not gatekeepers, but the veteran hands that that help those younger guys feel legitimized through a match. I think it's important for NXT to have that mix at all times. Um, but yeah, if they keep calling up Samoa Joe and Finn Balor and Sami Zayn, they, they, they have to make sure they're ready. I mean, uh, they have to have those ne- that next group ready and, and weave them into the show over time. Yeah, and for me, it's not even so much that I worry they're going to run out of talent. It's just if WWE starts to present the talent that are so popular in NXT, spotlighting them and really filling, you know, just kind of creating that same vibe that NXT has where it is, you can call it a younger generation, sure. even though a lot of these guys are in their 30s. Uh, but if they start to, it's more NXT style. I get what you're saying there. Yeah, then, that is, yeah, a, that is yeah. a different... Then I think they become... Well, go ahead. Uh, yeah, that is sort of different than what I was saying, and, but it's also... Then I think you're still... There's going to be the fans who want to be ahead of the curve. They want to know and follow sure. the journey of the next round of main roster guys. I don't think there's many NXT fans out there who only will like NXT if, if the main roster sucks. I think there's people right, who right. will like NXT even if the main roster, in their mind, is awesome because it has the generation of NXT wrestlers that they watched the last two, three, four years tearing, down, tearing it up. Um, and yet, if NXT is good, I, I think it works. I mean, it, it, yeah. So I, I think you can have the best of both worlds, actually, in, in that respect. I don't think we need to worry about it because I don't think Vince is going anywhere anytime soon. So <laughs> I don't think there's going to be a big WWE shift, but interesting to think about. Yes. Now through Patreon, you can get the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling post shows, Wade Keller Pro Wrestling podcasts, and the PW Torch daily casts with the ads and plugs removed and VIP after shows by supporting us on Patreon with a Tier 1 membership for just $4.99 per month. You can also upgrade to get additional bonus content, including all the VIP podcasts and the PW Torch newsletters through Patreon. Check out details at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. All right, let's go next to uh, 305. 305, please state your name and where you're calling from. Hey, guys. DJ from Miami, VIP member. DJ, good to hear from you. Thanks for your VIP membership. What have you got for us? I got two quick things. Um, I feel like going into this, the freeway thing, I feel like Ambrose still has a belt, 
but maybe what they could also I was thinking would be good is like maybe the whole thing is setting him and Brock up and maybe if he uh, you know uh, does it again on low bro they can pull the belt away from him maybe they can have something to do you know like a four way or something Wrestlemania and maybe Styles can win or somebody you know like underdog that's the first thing because it's like going in there you know Ambrose has a belt but Ambrose <clears throat> everybody wants Ambrose to win but you're going to go Triple H and it's going to be belt against belt. What are they going to do? That's my first thing. It's, like, it's confusing. Yeah, I just, I want, I mean, my, my short answer is I want one-on-one matches at WrestleMania. I, I don't want to, I don't want to see multi-person matches. I don't want to see people shoved onto the card in multi-man matches. Just give me one-on-one. Pick the best matchup that you have. I don't think a match gets better because you add two more people to it. I think it just waters down the assets that you have. So I guess in a broad stroke, I would just say no. Just make one-on-one matches work. I agree. Yeah. Go ahead, DJ. My second thing is that I don't know if you guys noticed, but Roman Reigns is really getting cocky. It's like, you know, everybody says he's not a good wrestler, but he feels like, to me nowadays, how he's acting like yesterday, he's like, come on, hurry up. Let's do this already. Like, he's already feeling like a heel to me than a baby face that they're trying to push. You know, he's super cocky, but, you know, how can you be cocky and then, you know, not wrestle and hold it up? You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I, Jason, I just, I mean, I talk about him every week. I'm trying to not say the same thing over and over but Roman Reigns doesn't come across as a particularly like affable likable guy and I don't I don't know if it's a hint uh, are do you think that we're looking at intentional hints of a possible Roman Reigns heel turn are they are they hinting at no. that with Stephanie talking about Ambrose and you know Roman jumping in all the time on his it, you say no I, I say no I think they're trying to create I think we'll see some tension between them. We saw a little bit of it on SmackDown, and, and I think that's what they're trying to build heading into this triple threat. Unless, I, 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 w- I mean, I wish I were seeing it. No, I'm not. I mean, even last night, Ambrose goes has that thing where Brock beats the hell out of him. Roman comes out. Ambrose hits the low blow. There's Roman looking down at him, smiling, and it's not a... Uh, you're an idiot. Smile. It's just you know you're that you're my crazy buddy. Smile. Yeah. It, it, I'm not seeing any signs of him setting out to to get Dean Ambrose in some way. And I think we would see it just because Vince does so much foreshadowing. All right, let's uh, take probably just one more call here. Eight one eight. Go ahead and state your name and where you're calling from. Hey, this is Austin from Los Angeles. Austin. Yes. Austin, cool. I thought you said this is awesome from Los Angeles at first, and I'm like, well, that's a awesome. <laughs> All right, go ahead, Austin. Yeah, um, so we'll be the judge of that. Thing. Uh, I, I know that uh, I know that it was briefly brought up that the uh, the situation that happened between uh, Vince and, and somebody else um, at the, the post game show on the network, um, and. I, I, I saw Vince shove somebody else, but what I saw before that was somebody grabbed him and pulled him. And I don't yeah. know if this was discussed earlier, but somebody grabbed him and pulled him in a certain direction. Um, and I don't, I don't know exactly what happened, but I really got the sense that, for some reason, I got the sense that um, Brian wasn't really happy with... Um, wasn't happy with the direction this, this whole thing went. I don't, this doesn't sound like it was his idea to have this type of send-off, although, you know, I understand he's got the, the injury, but um, it just seemed to me that he wasn't happy. That embrace at the end just didn't seem, it, it didn't seem right to me. I mean, I know that, you know, he got the hug from, from Vince, but he almost seemed like he was pulling away 
um, while he was walking off. And then I don't know what may have been said. May have, maybe it was Bree that was walking after him that could have said something. But um, it, it seemed like something happened there. And, and, and right before um, Vince was pulled, it looked like uh, he was about to storm off. Like he was upset. If you look at his face, and I kind of stopped it, um, I got like a screenshot of it and he looked upset and he, like he was about to storm off and he was grabbed at that moment. And it, it looked to me like it was Titus O'Neil, uh, that pulled him. And then, um, he was, uh, and then he turned around and, and he shoved him back. Um, so I don't know if you guys noticed that or may have any insight as to what that may have been all about. Yeah, interesting. I definitely need to go watch this now. Um, in fact, send me, send me a link, um, if you're hearing this and you have a link, okay. um, throw it on Twitter or, or kellerwade at gmail.com. Uh, email to me. I, w- I want to watch this. Uh, uh, um, Jason, you already talked about it earlier. I mean, any- anything more to add with what Austin just had to say? Yeah, I mean, it, again, I-, I don't know if this was Vince getting ticked off because someone grabbed him. Maybe they were being playful and he wasn't finding it funny or if Vince thought it was hilarious and was shoving back. And, and I don't know the dynamic there. But I will say... I had the same feeling with that hug that I don't want to read too much into it because it had been a a very emotional uh, stretch of time for Daniel Bryan in the ring. But that hug, it looked like Vince was, you know, I think Vince wanted it to go on longer than Daniel Bryan did. And I'm not saying that Daniel Bryan was pulling away because he doesn't like Vince. I I mean, could he have been? Yeah. I mean, I I, I couldn't blame the guy at this point, but I I think Daniel was ready to go backstage is probably what it was. But, yeah, I did get that sense, watching them hug that, yeah, Brian wasn't as uh, caught up in emotion as Vince may have been at at that point. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it'll come out, um, and we'll be part of it, Jason, uh, reporting on it, what... uh you know, what What was really going on in, in Daniel Bryan's head? I mean, I, I thought it was noteworthy. I was going to save this for the VIP after show, but and maybe we'll get more into it, but the lack of listing names of people that he was uh, thankful for, appreciative of. He mentioned, um, you know, obviously his, his wife and uh, William Regal. Um, and who was the one other person he mentioned? Um Oh gosh! Yeah, one other person. But he didn't like have this laundry list of of people that he thanked. You know, it, it wasn't he wasn't gushing about Vince McMahon. And Vince has a rule at the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, don't mention my name. Um, you know, don't don't turn this into putting me over. But um, you know, nothing about you know there wasn't anything positive about WWE the company really. Um, it very much was just it's uh, you know the fans and the movement and my family and thank you for that but yeah it, it, it didn't come across as somebody who was just like gushing about so thankful for the WWE experience but I'm not really particularly interested in dissecting every little word and what he might have left off and how to read into it uh, right. but still um, you know I mean we're saving it for past hour and a half mark it's we're getting a little bit lower on the on the headline type you know level here but I think it is you know it'll it was an incredibly cool amazing emotional speech but there's something to be said about the lack of of just being pro wwe overtly there is yeah and maybe that will maybe he knows he's going into the hall of fame and some of that will come then i'm just i I don't think so um i I don't his biggest dreams i think were achieved in wwe he met his wife in wwe i'm sure he's grateful for the platform I, i think what's telling to me is that he didn't 
take any there, there's certainly a way to thank them for the platform and leave it at that if you want to let it be known that yeah I'm not very happy with this I, it was more lip service that I felt like I needed to say something and he didn't do that either so it's not there were a long there were a lot of people that he could have thanked and maybe he will someday whenever the Hall of Fame speech comes but so I, just there, because there were so few names mentioned I, I didn't read too much into it um, I mean just so many people he could have thanked and didn't that the fact that he didn't bring up Triple H and and, and Vince and company, eh, you know, maybe there's maybe there's a good reason for it. Maybe, but I, I just I, I don't know. I didn't. I just kind of enjoyed the moment for what it was, and we can certainly go through some of the people left out. But I, I, I'm not reading too much into anything right now because I think he wanted this to be about him, his career, his fans, a little bit of his wife and his family. And that was about it, you know. And so it's one of those things where if you start thanking everyone, you're probably going to forget someone anyway. And, and it just didn't feel like this was the time for him to be doing that. This should have been about him, the fans, the family, and, and the things that he spoke about. Yeah. All right. Very good. Um, we'll wrap up on that note. We'll uh, go ahead and record the VIP after show. Uh, sorry to the callers we didn't get to. A lot of people on hold. We just, I mean, we went really long today, and I, I didn't want to just rush through all the callers. But uh, we got to a lot of calls. So um, Pat McNeil will be on tomorrow. Um, I'll be back on Thursday. By the way, uh, the EC3 interview I advertised for this week is actually next week. So um, just clarification on that. EC3 from uh, TNA Impact Wrestling will be my guest a week from Thursday. Uh, so just a correction on that. Um, so we'll have a different interview on Thursday that I'll be hosting. And then Friday, Bruce Mitchell and Travis Bryant at 7 Eastern. And then in the uh, Saturday morning slot, the new show, Jim Valley uh, and the Nostalgia-themed Saturday morning wrestling livecast starting at 11.30 Eastern. So check that all out. Follow us on Twitter at PWTorch. That's pretty easy. Um, and you can also follow me on Twitter at the Wade Keller. Uh, thank you, everybody, for your support of this show. Uh, we continue to grow, and uh, we'll be here uh, every day, WrestleMania season and beyond. Um, so uh, keep checking us out every day here at pwtorchlivecast.com. And uh, speaking of which, we'll uh, leave you with a uh, with some words on that new homepage that we have. And then uh, VAP members, stay tuned because uh, on a separate. Uh, separate post. You'll be uh, getting here, Jason. We continue to talk about some other topics from Raw last night and more. Hey, Harley. Remember the days when women's wrestling matches were relegated to the mid-card dumping ground and treated like a glorified intermission? You mean the era when it was only men in the top spots in the main events getting the biggest matches every night? Yeah. Hmm. Vaguely. Seriously, while we might have a long way to go, we really have come a long way, baby. And that's why we started Grit and Glitter, a podcast covering the best in the world of women's wrestling. From the horsewomen of WWE to the goddesses of stardom and everyone in between. Each Tuesday, Emily, myself, and our team of guest correspondents talk the best matches and the biggest news in women's wrestling. Plus, interviews, deep dives, and discussions about everything from media representation to gear to women in behind-the-scenes roles. Just search PW Torch in the podcast app of your choice to subscribe. Or listen on demand and see the entire PW Torch DailyCast schedule at pwtorchdailycast.com.
right. Now we're in the VIP after show portion of the program. We is me, Wade Keller, and Jason Powell from ProWrestling.net. We just wrapped up the PW Torch livecast, and now we're in the livecast VIP after show, Tuesday, February 9th, 2016. Uh, uh, Jason, anything that jumps out you want to talk about for sure up front? Because we've got a lot of emails, and I could just kind of go through the emails and uh, see if they have, well, and, and hit on some topics we didn't get in the first hour and a half. Yeah, I guess just to add to that whole Vince thing, uh, the, the whole shoving thing, uh, that one caller said that he thought Vince was angry coming out of the hug, and, and I didn't see it that way. I know you just checked it out, and I, I didn't. I, I think Vince was fine coming out of the hug. So whatever happened there, whether it was joking around or serious, I don't think it had anything to do with him not being happy with the way Daniel Bryan hugged him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I oh, and one other quick thing. Yeah. Keep in mind that the whole hug thing between Kane and Daniel Bryan was a rib on Bryan because he doesn't like hugs, so maybe that's why he wanted to get the hell away from Vince. <laughs> that's a possibility. That's a possibility. All right, let's go to uh, email. Durrell um, says, since the main event guy right now um, Brock, uh, is Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, Dean Ambrose, and they're not that hot, do you think WWE is really missing Seth Rollins right now because he still got heat and had good matches? So how, how much in WrestleMania season is Dean Ambrose... Excuse me, is, is Seth Rollins missed right now, Jason? Oh, very much so. I mean, I, I don't think they were heading in a great direction with him at the time he left, but who's to say they couldn't have at least gotten him hot? Uh, you know, I, I think he would be in a meaningful match at Mania. Um, if John Cena can't come back in time, then Rollins would have been a great opponent for Undertaker. Uh, Rollins would be great as the champion. They could have done their their shield triple threat if they wanted to. Uh, there dip, a number of different and more exciting directions to go with Rollins, even if he was starting to be a little feel a little overexposed and and people being a little burned out on him. I think there's a much better story to tell with him than there is Triple H. Certainly, uh, he also mentioned. Um, well, I'll, I'll say about Seth. I, I think he's benefiting from uh, being overexposed, and and but I, he's benefiting. Not that you wish an injury on anyone, but I think he'll come back fresher because he was so overexposed when he was on the when he was on the air. Right. I think he'll end up in the long run being better off. But yeah, of course they'd like to have him around now. But we have to keep in mind, you know, what we'd be seeing, and it would probably be probably be Seth against um, Triple H, you know, in in some form or fashion. And you know, what would that mean for either Seth or Triple H turning babyface? Uh, who do you think would have been the babyface in a Seth Triple H match at Mania if that's where they went? Um, I would think it would be Seth would be turning, yeah. um, but it, it's hard to say. I mean, it, I forgot that was kind of the match they were building to. It, it's, it yeah. feels like it's so long ago, even though it wasn't. Um, I mean, did Triple H fancy himself in this title match long before the injuries? You know, I mean, it, that's the weird thing is what was the what would the title match have been then? Probably, it, I think Reigns Lesnar one on one for the title. So and- why did they move away from that? My God, it's so much better than anything involving Triple H. I know, especially because they don't have this perfect opponent for Lesnar. What it says is finding a, a, a grudge match for Triple H, or a big match, I should say, a headline-worthy match for Triple H, took priority over something for Brock Lesnar. It's crazy, and I think Triple H should play a, a key role on the WrestleMania card. Just He shouldn't be the main event. He shouldn't be in the world title match. I, I'm hoping like once we see the assembled card, it's like, oh, okay, now it makes sense. They had big plans for these other people, but I, I'm not seeing any signs of that. Yeah, yeah. He also says, I think Dean Ambrose's character is watered down right now. He's 50% the version of the Shield Dean, 75% away from loose cannon, 
Brian Pillman. I think he's a typical plug-in guy who you use when you need a one-off or a two-month program. What do you guys think? We talked about this on, on the main show. I, I think that's being a little hard on uh, Dean Ambrose and where he is right now. But it is an interesting perspective, you know, because, yeah, the, the loose cannon Brian Pillman character certainly is part of, uh, you know, comparable to, Daniel, to, to what uh, uh, Dean is doing right now, too. Uh, I, I think Dean's on a journey. If they're going to put Dean against Rock, I think we're going to get a little bit of an evolution of his character over the next two months. Yeah, I do too. Um, and I think that Ambrose is playing a pretty vital role for them right now. I think he is a guy that can headline the other house show if they want him to. Uh, you know, he and, and he's done that a number of times. So yeah, he may not. He may be come off as Roman's little buddy at times, but he's still with all the injuries. What probably the number two full time babyface way? Am I forgetting anyone? No, that's a sad. I shouldn't say sad. Uh, not that sounds like a dig at uh, at at uh, Dean. Dean. Yeah, but I'm not trying to to take a dig at Dean. But um, yeah, it is sad how how little depth that there is as far as that goes. And I mean, it's it's pretty apparent in the lineup for WrestleMania. I mean, it's just it's hard to come up with. I mean, Undertaker's part time, and when you look past the two babyfaces. In the top matches, um, you know, Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns, it's like, then who? Right, yeah. Well, and I still believe Dean's biggest push is going to come once he turns heel, whenever that is. He's just such a natural heel, and there's part of me that just, like, I get why they've waited, because he is is very popular, he is very over, but I I look forward to that. You know, I, I think that wild card character that he plays it's been a long time since we've seen it that you mentioned earlier there are some elements of piper in there i i think it's going to be so much fun once that happens if they do it right and they don't treat him like most of the heels all right i've got the video up now so let's see we're going to zapruder film this vince this vince moment um all right so vince is walking through with stephanie um, a group of wrestlers, and there's uh, Armstrong, and then it looks like Titus grabs Vince's left arm, and Vince is surprised by it, and shoves him. Get off it, me, damn it. Yeah, and then Titus, I see a big white teeth grin on Titus's face, his face, his face, his face, at the very last frame, it looks like Vince McMahon has a smile on his face. The profile view looks like a smile on his face, too. Yeah, I, I just, I don't know, I, I, it was so hard to say that, I, I saw it, didn't, was like, oh, could be something, but chances are just Vince being Vince and having fun. Um, yeah, and this this third viewing, I focused on Stephanie, um, and, and Stephanie looked like, it was just fun in games. She was, yeah. At first, she was like, "Whoa, what's happening?" And then, uh, and then, if you if you focus on Steph, who would have viewed the whole thing, she's actually clapping. It's funny because she's like, "Clap, clap, clap," and then she hesitates when Vince shoved Titus, and then she went back to clapping and looking like, "Ooh, that was kind of you know that was weird, but kind of funny." Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm doing this you know as part of the VIP after show because I hadn't seen the video yet, and it was a topic on the live cast part of the show. You know what the heck happened there? And, uh, oh, yeah, Triple H has a smile on his face, too, um, on fourth or fifth viewing here. Well, yeah, there you yeah. Go. Tri- yeah, Triple H and Steph were smiling. Vince, I could see a little grin uh, uh, on him, and Titus was definitely smiling. So whatever was going on, it was totally fun and game. So, I, I, yeah, I think mystery solved. <laughs> it was just playing around. Okay, so let's. Uh, I'm glad we solved that uh, yes. as, as best we can here. <laughs> I didn't want to leave that hanging out there. 
Announcing our first VIP sale of 2021. Just 99 cents gets you a full month of VIP access. If you act now, go to pwtorch.com slash govip. Enter coupon code 2021SALE. That's right, 2021SALE. And that'll take $9 off our usual $9.99 monthly subscription price. That's 2021SALE. Enter that in the coupon code box on our sign-up form at pwtorch.com slash govip. All right, VIP member Romeo from New York City. I believe uh, Daniel Bryan when he says he's done wrestling, but if he insists on one last match that he can work safely for another promotion, who do you think it would be against and who would you like to see it be against? Um, I don't want to see a one-off. I- I'm-, I'm happy with it, it and it's me being selfish. You know, If he chooses to, Oh boy! I mean, I guess we wouldn't know the landscape. You know, I mean, okay, perfect world. Um, it's not a safe match. He's medically cleared, and he gets to work Nakamura. I, I mean, it, it's safe match. Working a mat based style. I don't know anyone jump out to you, Wade. Um, you know what? I think what would help Ring of Honor, um, if it was for Ring of Honor, if he had a one off match, because um, he says you know for another promotion, not WWE. I, I would say Kyle. Well, by then, Nakamura could leave too. There you go. Uh, what about Kyle O'Reilly? You sure? Yeah, absolutely. That's a guy who, who can keep up with Daniel Bryan in that department. Yeah, He'd they, they could safe. have a very good mat based style match, and you're not going to, you know, a Nakamura match is going to be completely different. Wouldn't be a safe match necessarily. It'd be that strong style that that they both enjoy working. But so yeah, I mean that that does make sense. Yeah, and I just Kyle O'Reilly. Just he seems to be somebody who. I mean, he just resigned with Ring of Honor, so Ring of Honor would feel safe pushing him, um, you know, and giving him a, ma- a showcase match against Daniel Bryan without, you know, having him just jump right away somewhere else. And and he's kind of Daniel Bryan's size, uh, kind of a younger, up and coming guy like Daniel Bryan was, uh, you know, pretty, res- you know, very well respected for his work. So yeah, I mean, somebody that that's the first name that came to mind um, who seems worthy of it and appropriate. Roderick Strong would do fine. Yeah, uh, he's been around so long though. I mean, what is it going to do for Roderick? Oh, yeah, no, I'm just, you know, if you're looking more on the safety side of things. Yeah, I mean, he's like a top 10 guy in Ring of Honor that I pick, but, you know, I'm not, like, against it. I'm just kind of thinking, you know, what would be worth coming back for? Sure, yeah. Yeah, you know, what would be worth... If and and that's just it. I don't think there is. He, if he values having another match more than having that long, potentially lucrative post-wrestling career with WWE, then he may choose it, but I, I don't... I mean, I think he could do fine booking himself independently, not you know, not just in terms of in ring, but special appearances and things of that nature. I think he'd do just fine, but it would dry up eventually. And where WWE, they can put you on TV more. You know, you can get that spotlight more. I just think there's more security with WWE than there would be for short-term gain of him going and working another match and then working independently for the rest of his life as far as autograph and personal appearances go. Yeah. What What do you think Daniel Bryan's post-wrestling life is most likely going to be? Um, uh, associated with WWE forever, more Mick Foley kind of popping up here and there independently, maybe popping up on Raw, but kind of his own... You know, his own guy working his own schedule, or is is there some resentment with WWE? And as soon as he can, he's done. And other than Hall of Fame, he's not going to return calls. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing is what's his contractual status now? You know, does he? I, I just I, I assume like they still, even though he's retired from the ring, he's not just done with WWE. So it could be a while um, before he could even go anywhere else. I, I mean, again, I hope they 
limit his appearances. I don't want to see him become an on-air regular because I know what they do mm-hmm. with non-wrestling on-air regulars. They, they're just wacky guys, and, and the act would get old in a hurry. We've seen it when Daniel Bryan has been out there making appearances injured. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's not great. And so selfishly, again, I, I don't want to see it, but, I mean, I... I Nothing would shock me with with Daniel Bryan Wade. I mean, it. it <laughs> I they, know. Well, you know, I mean, hey, they could it, they could give him a full time role. It might be something he's 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 up for at some point. Um, it could be special appearances. It could be. We don't want to do this anymore. I'll, I'll, I'll fulfill my world of wheels, special appearances or whatever, and and then we're we're just moving. You know, we're, we're done. We're he and Bree. We're we're living off the grid. Nothing would shock me with those two. No, it's it's like you know what what does a president do when they leave office? You know, uh, President Bush went into watercolors. Uh, president Clinton, you know, did worldwide charity. Um, and, uh, you know, Obama, people are going to be wondering, you know, what's he going to do after the presidency? He's got, he's young, he's got, you know, just this name recognition, he can change the world in other ways, what will he do? Dan O'Brien, I, you know, on a wrestling scale, I feel the same way. Like, does he do something, does he <laughs> go to watercolor class <laughs> and start painting? Um, does he join a commune and disappear from society and just right. unplug even more with Bree and their family? Um, or does he uh, get involved in Ring of Honor behind the scenes because he doesn't want to deal with the politics of WWE, but he wants to become um, somebody who's just ultra supportive of the indie scene and, and trains guys and, and, uh, and just wants to be on the road and part of the wrestling atmosphere doing what he loves. Uh, one thing that's clear is, is Daniel Bryan said in his autobiography um, – that the most fun he ever had in wrestling was just driving, driving around uh, for, with his buddies. They're on, very McFoley like in that regard, I think. Yeah. Now, something that's fun when you're in your twenties maybe isn't fun when you've got two crying babies at home and a wife who, ch- right. who completes or maybe like it's fun. <laughs> right. Well, that's true. <laughs> yes, there's a number of people who who are uh, happily married because they're not home very much. Right. Um, so yeah, I mean, you just don't know. I mean, I'm. I'm curious. Uh, I, it's none of my business if, if Daniel Bryan doesn't want it to be. But if he does have a public life, I, I could see such a wide range. And it's not necessarily wrestling related. You know, it was, it's total divas. So, you know, for what it's worth. But it felt like a genuine conversation or at least based on one when uh, Bree and Daniel Bryan a couple weeks ago on Total Divas. And Bree just said, there's so much that you can do. Um, there's so much that you can do in this world outside of, of being a WWE superstar and, you know, you have a voice. And Daniel Bryan was like, but if I'm not wrestling, nobody's going to care. They're going to forget about me. You know, it's his usual humble self underestimating how much people really have a bond with him. But I'm curious if he is able to channel his notoriety and the the, the affection that people have for him, um, if, if he's able to channel that into something that makes him feel like in retrospect, everything happens for a reason. Or when things happen, you make the best of it by choosing a path that, in retrospect, you wouldn't trade for anything. And right. it's possible Danny Bryan can do that. Okay. When or if Danny Bryan's inducted in the Hall of Fame, should who should induct him? Whoever he wants, probably William Regal. Yeah, I think it would be William Regal, and I did re- realize from this question now who the other person was he mentioned. Glenn Jacobs, Kane. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so the, most, I, the I actually monster, think, who, but all, actually intelligent, the most intelligent guy he knows. Yeah, I actually think it'll be almost open shut. Glenn Jacobs, Kane. Really? Yeah, I think because of their on-air relationship, Daniel Bryan had a relationship with William Regal, but it's it, the, the Hall of Fame is a show. You know, that's it's, yeah, it's true. Yeah, you, 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 you may have nailed it there. I, yeah. I, I could. I mean, I still think the door is open for Regal if that's what Bryan really wants, but. Um, 
a little more than you do. But yeah, I, I think because of that, you're probably right. And he also brought up the third option with Sean Michaels. You know, he trained him. Um, I, I could see that if they're just looking for something for Sean to do, <laughs> you know, but I think I, I'd be fine with that too. I think those are three good options. My vote for what I think is most likely is Kane because of the dynamic that they had and the fact that it was Danny Bryan and Kane against the Shield. That was the, was the breakout summer for Daniel Bryan. Sure. Um, the, the whole trainer thing that you mentioned, um, in his book, he did not fancy himself as a very good trainer. Now, you know, times change, and yeah. maybe that if he revisited that, now that he's not so focused on actually wanting to wrestle more so than training, he, I, I think he could be very good at it, but I, I, I'm just, he, he didn't seem to speak very highly of his various stints as, as, as a trainer of pro wrestlers. So I, I don't know if he'll go in that direction. Yeah, that's why I say I, I don't think there's any real obvious path that we're sure to see him, see him go on. Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows. Don't forget, we also have the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts. That is a blue logo show. This show, you'll notice, has a red logo. There's a very similar logo, but it's blue. And that's for our Thursday flagship, plus our mailbag and interview shows. We have first-run interviews and, most weekends, a classic interview from our archives. Just search Wade Keller in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Pro Wrestling Podcasts and choose the blue logo and subscribe. Uh, okay, let's go to uh, Manuel. He says, a longtime listener, first-time emailer. Two topics on my mind after last night's Raw. We've all talked about the announcing team before, but I just can't get over the fact that Michael Cole hardly actually interacts with anyone. He throws out questions and ignores replies because he's focusing on something else. That happens to me doing the live cast sometimes. I was going to say, is, is it talking about Cole or Bruce Mitchell? <laughs> or me sometimes. I'm, <laughs> I ask a question and a throw to you, and then you give an answer, and I'm, you know, doing something on the switchboard to try to pick the next caller or, you know, whatever. Okay. So it happens. It happens to all of us. But he's saying it happens to Michael Cole a lot. And I do agree with that. He goes, Kevin Owens has this shtick about calling Cole out, and instead of using it to build Owens up, Cole either ignores it or doesn't play along. How can it be that announcing team is at its best when guests like Paul Heyman or, or especially Xavier Woods join? Um, yeah, Jason, your, your thoughts on, on Michael Cole? Cole's got some strengths that I think are underappreciated, but he has some weaknesses that I think really do drag down the show. And are worth pointing at and not just accepting because it is the way it is. Yeah, no, very valid criticism. I will give him the the, the potential defense here in that it, it's similar to what you were saying. You know, there's other things going on. And who knows what the hell is being said to him through the headset at the time that the wrestler is feeding to him or saying something to him. So he may not even be focusing on that. He might have Vince in his ear. He might be getting ready for the you know the next plug, whatever the hell they've got going on. So I, I would maybe not all the time, but I'll bet that is at least an excuse some of the time, Wade. Um, yeah, I I would like to see Michael Cole seem more like a human being who's enjoying himself, and I right. I just don't I don't sense joy in Michael Cole. I feel like he's doing a job. Um, and it's different than Mario Ronaldo. You know, it's, it's different than... I mean, Jim Ross didn't often seem... He's kind of... Jim Ross is a little uh, um, like Bernie Sanders. You know, a little cantankerous, a little, a little uh, uh, testy sometimes, a little moody, especially if it's Jerry Lawler needling him and all that. But you still loved him because he was so passionate and good at what he was saying and what he was doing. Like, you know, there's this... You can understand Jim Ross having a following and people loving him because he enhanced the product. Um, Michael Cole doesn't enhance the product enough to make up for the fact that he doesn't seem to be enjoying himself all that much. And I no. think that's important for an announcer. 
I do too. And you hit on something I was thinking about watching SmackDown last week too, which is that crotchety Jim Mc- or Jim Ross when when Lawler would say something. As a viewer at home, there were times where I had no idea: is this Jim pl- doing shtick? Is, yes. is is Jim really upset? Uh, I would like Morrow to add that. I would like Morrow to act whether to be offended by what Jerry Lawler is saying to him and kind of get that friction back. Mm-hmm. I think that draws people in because they don't know what what's real, what's not. I don't want to see him go over the top with it and have it be staged. But yeah, rather than just letting Jerry Lawler throw out his his uh, his joke book jokes. Every once in a while, I have a little friction between those two. Yeah. You know, he may not feel comfortable. I mean, it's, it's Marl's personality. I don't think he's very conflict-oriented. Sure. Um, and, and so that may not be natural for him. But I, I think it's a good suggestion and something that as he gets more comfortable and more chemistry, maybe would be something to aim for. I don't know if you know this, but he's verified on Twitter now. I was thinking that was crazy that he hadn't been up to that point. I know. Yeah. yeah. He's been re- retweeting things about it all day. Oh, Retweet City. He's been retweeting that he's verified. <laughs> People commenting on it left and right. Yeah, it's he hilarious. Pretty much anything said to him, it's hilarious. I, I know. I, I love. I love that verifying. It's sort of like. Um this validation that people, you know, seek out. And then, and then if you're not validated, like, and you're famous and you're on national television, people are like, what, what's wrong? It's like, I, it's just, it's a, it's just one of those funny twists in my existence on this earth. I didn't see coming, which is this check mark that people aspire to or re, or think <laughs> is weird if you don't have it and all that. I don't know. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Uh, celebrity problems. I, when are they going to verify? You, you do see it. They'll, they'll start whining about it on Twitter that they haven't been verified yet. <laughs> yes. Um, somebody on Twitter, speaking of which, just said, hey, Wade, when will today's live cast be uploaded? It's like, well, I'm doing the VIP after show. <laughs> be patient. You got to suffer through commercials if you want to hear it right, right away. That's right. We, yeah. All right. Anyway. Just uh, because of that, five minutes later than it would have been. If somebody wants to donate a salary for somebody to do audio editing. Just, you know, if you're out there and you're really rich and you want to have the, the ad-free live cast posted right away and you're willing to pay what it would take to have somebody trusted who's around at the end of live cast, drop me a line, kellerweight at gmail.com. Um, you, you can... We can work something out. We'll figure it out. But otherwise, yeah, there's going to yeah, be... Yeah, if the high, if salary's high enough, I may just quit what I'm doing and become <laughs> that guy. That would be that would be ironic, Jason, because <laughs> the reason we're doing it is because we do an after show together. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's go to part two of uh, Manual from New Zealand. He says, I have no idea where the thing with Ambrose and Lesnar is leading, but I'm loving more Ambrose exposure. What I didn't like, however, was those antiquated sexist attacks on Lesnar's manhood. First, first it was Reigns with his cheap attacks culminating in the Tater Tots promo, and now Ambrose uncharacteristically goes the same route. Wrestling's a lot about pride, being strong and manly and whatnot, but can someone please tell Vince that this kind of stuff is very last century, or am I judging the wrestling crowd wrong? Looking forward to your opinions. Um, well, no, you're not judging the wrestling crowd wrong, because, I mean, I don't know, a little bit of... I don't know. I, you know, the, I guess he's talking about the line too of you know I, I didn't know Paul Heyman held you know was in charge of your balls or held held your balls or whatever it was. I mean, I can I, a little bit of it is fine. I, I didn't think it was going too far. I, I, I think the issue is more babyface hitting somebody from behind like that. Um, that then uh, and I thought it works better with Ambrose than than Reigns, where it felt feels heavily prescribed and scripted. I don't know, Jason. What do you think? I don't have super strong feelings. It's not as as effective as it once was. There's not that shock value to it. It didn't it didn't bother me, but I didn't think it was the most clever. I, I wish that that would have been a great spot. And maybe they tried, and he just doesn't want anything to do with it. Work Sable in if you want the if you want to get that ooh reaction from people. 
that's something that never gets talked about on WWE television is, is that Brock is married to Sable. And if so, if you want to kind of question Brock's manhood by bringing up whether he's getting the job done with Sable, I think you, you can go that route and actually get some sort of a reaction from people. That, <laughs> you're going to get I a think. reaction. You're going to get a, a much stiffer trip to Suplex City than you called for. Oh, that's why I said you ask him. <laughs> uh, no, I <laughs> know. I know. Yeah. That. Even so, oh man, that's just, they are so private now. And I'm guessing yeah. the answer is no. I mean, they just don't go there. Yeah. He, he may just be, that, that might just be off limits with Brock. Another email has a suggestion for an opponent. Well, uh, brings up somebody who would be a suggested opponent for Daniel Bryan, even though that's not part of his question. Kyle from Australia. I wanted your thoughts on if this is a possibility or even a good idea at this stage of his career. With all the current injuries causing a strain on the amount of top talent available for WrestleMania this year, and with Kurt Angle wrapping up his retirement tour TNA, what do you think of WWE offering Angle a one-year deal to get a, give a bit of a boost to the WrestleMania build? This could start with Angle feuding with the League of Nations, leading to a match against Alberto Del Rio for the U.S. title at Mania. After Mania... Yeah. After Mania, Angle could take more of a role like Hogan and Sting of late, doing media appearances, promotional work, and if his fitness will allow, possibly another TV angle around SummerSlam, his year deal would wrap up with a Hall of Fame induction in 2017. Um, okay, I, I don't think it's going to happen. Now, Angle is going to be a free agent soon. Um, could he? You know, could they be? I say desperate enough just because they've been opposed to doing it before. I don't think there's desperation in using Kurt Angle in WrestleMania. Just, but Vince, Vince has been so against it, apparently. You know, they've had opportunities to bring him back, and they haven't done it. Um, so, th- therefore, I think it would be kind of a desperation move because they just had that opportunity last year, I think, and passed on it. But I wouldn't go Del Rio. I, 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 Del Rio is really stale. Everyone yeah. in League of Nations feels really stale right now. I mean, who knows? There, there, there's certainly rumblings that they've got something big in mind for Taker that nobody's going to see coming. Well, maybe it's Angle. Um, yeah. But if you, if Daniel Bryan can't pass their medicals, wait, I, I just don't know that Kurt Angle could. Oh, I, that's a thing. I mean, I, I, I think the odds of Angle being being the guy is very uh, of, of being. Not Angle being the guy. Of Angle being the guy against Undertaker or just coming back in general is really low. And I think the Daniel Bryan situation is is all the evidence you need. What about if, if Kurt Angle and Daniel Bryan wrestled a mat-based match for Ring of Honor? Um, does that mean Kurt's going to use that god-awful ankle lock 35 times in a match? I don't know. Maybe. I hate. I am sorry. Nobody, <laughs> nobody calls him on that. The thing is awful. <laughs> It's just so lame. Like, here he goes again, and he's going to half-wrench on it a little bit. Then the guy's going to roll over, and Kurt's going to go flying, even though the laws of, laws of physics say this is stupid. <laughs> I, it just, I, I can't stand it. I will not uh, miss I that. It. I will miss a lot of things about Kurt Angle wrestling matches. That is not one of them. I like your quote. The laws of physics say it's stupid. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> wrestling fans are you that person that works in a pro wrestling reference to every aspect of your life well we're those kind of people too but we do so with mixed martial arts i'm robert Vallejos, host of mma talk for pro wrestling fans every monday on pw torch's daily cast lineup not only do we cover every ufc and bellator event we provide context that only a wrestling fan would really understand 
I mean, we're the type of people that if you ask us about how much of a mess the middleweight title situation is, we're likely to reference WCW in the early 90s. Think of us as a podcast for casual MMA fans done by hardcore wrestling nerds. And you can find us by searching PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or any popular podcast app. And we're always available on demand at PWTorchDailyCast.com where you can check out the entire lineup of the PW Torch Daily Casts. Right, let's. Uh, I want to get a couple more emails in, and then we'll wrap up here. Uh, Anthony from Australia. Hey guys, a definite roller coaster of emotions last night. There hasn't been a wrestler since Bret Hart, with whom I felt a true connection with as a fan, feeling every emotional possible right alongside him on his journey to the top. He made me passionate about the business again, and gave me a reason to let my young son watch wrestling. Do you think Brian will be put straight into the Hall of Fame this year? Although it'd be nice to see him go out on his own terms, I don't think I could sit through another of his matches, let alone enjoy it. I'm grateful we decided to travel from Australia to WrestleMania last year to see his last big matches and to have my son meet him. More, more of just, I wanted to read that than a question there, because we kind of covered the question aspect sure. of the Hall of Fame. But um, I just think a lot of people feel that way. And I think it's a, it is a, a lot of dads felt comfortable introducing their kids to wrestling because of Daniel Bryan. And I, I would re-highlight the connection to Bailey. And her character, yes. um, Bailey, is a character that is someone you can use to introduce people to to wrestling. And and Sami Zayn can be that way as well. I think um, it may be a little tough for Zayn now with the average Joe out there that isn't familiar with his work and realizes that no, this is really Sammy. He's not a, a Daniel Bryan knockoff. You know, I, I wonder if that's going to be tough. For, you know, the, the fans who know him uh, already know that he's a genuine guy. But what's it going to be like for? Just that casual fan that if they start to see similarities there, and I think there's certainly a way they can make it work, but that does cross my mind. And you know, I, I think the cool thing about Daniel Bryan is that, it, 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 I mean, I've never heard a negative fan story. I've heard so many, you know, people emailing and you don't run them because you don't know if they're true or not, you know, but I, I've never seen someone talk about a ne- or, or send an email about a negative fan interaction with Daniel Bryan. I'm sure people, there, there have probably been times where they wish he would have dropped all of his bags coming out of the airport and signed and get a 30 autographs for him or something. But what you saw on television really does seem like that's what you got if you met him in person. And if you only saw him on television, you felt like he was a, he was the real deal. He was just a down-to-earth, nice guy that comes through on Total Divas, no matter how staged the show may be at times. And that comes through when he's in the ring delivering a wrestling promo. It's one of the reasons why it wouldn't work when they tried, it didn't work when they tried to put him with the Wyatt family, for God's sake. Um, <laughs> yes. He's just, you know, I mean, he's just, a, it, it's, it's a rare quality in wrestling where they want to give you a character, they want to overscript you, and yet it doesn't work unless you're being yourself in his case. And he didn't have an over-the-top personality. This wasn't Daniel Bryan's real-life personality amplified. It just yeah. felt like this is Daniel Bryan. This is Bryan Danielson is what you're getting through the Daniel Bryan character, and that's what made it so special. Real quick, this might be the last one. Uh, Nel- well put, by the way. Nelson from Bronx, New York. I'm a PW Torch VIP and .NET member for over two years. Two questions. Now that Daniel Bryan's retired, can you see him as a trainer for NXT with William Regal? 
or maybe as a WWE producer working backstage with a talent. We covered that. You can add anything to it if you want, Jason. Question number two, I don't know if you guys or anyone else has picked up on this, but for the past few weeks or months, Kevin Owens has been picking up on picking on Michael Cole. Um, yes, we've noticed. Do you, I love it. Do you see Michael Cole just saying he's had enough of Owens picking on him and maybe getting somebody to represent him, like AJ Styles or Sami Zayn, when he comes up to the roster to shut Owens up? Thanks, guys, and have a great night. If you want to not be over... Come to Michael Cole's defense as a babyface. <laughs> no, no. This is part of Kevin Owens turning babyface, um, is picking on Michael Cole. Michael Cole might not realize it, but anybody who picks on him, is going. people are going to have an affection for him because that's just the type of dweeb that Michael Cole comes across as. So, yeah. yeah. And I still don't know what was going on, Jason, but there was a time after a WWE show, like an hour and a half after a show, and I don't know, I was talking to somebody from WWE at the at the hotel bar and uh, I w- go, walk outside and there's Michael Cole showing up I can't remember who he was with and he was all giddy just all excited he had a baseball cap on turned sideways or backwards oh I remember this yeah and he was acting like some 20 year old punk teenager out with a night on the town it was just it was just hilarious and I was like god that is so what people tell me I've heard that about Cole you know like you wouldn't believe what this guy's really like and it was just like this just weird moment and he was in public on a public sidewalk just acting totally immature and I but yeah I just I don't know maybe he was in a character playing you know goofing off and he went back to being quote normal but no it's just yeah I don't know it's just a sidebar story on him a personal experience but yeah he just he's he's somebody if you pick on him if he's being picked on and you come to his defense, it's not a good way to introduce your babyface act. No, and it's, you know, it. We initially it was, oh man, he's just got big shoes to fill and people are going to reject him whether, no matter how good or bad he is because of the Jim Ross thing. We are so far past that. And there's, I just don't sense that there's any, if he left Raw tomorrow, if he had to leave the show or chose to, I'm guessing he might get a nice, mild applause you know some, a little bit of sentimentality there depending on how it was framed yeah but that's it there, there's people michael cole could leave tomorrow and and if mauro ronaldo slid into the raw chair i i don't think people would be disappointed a bit and not and even if it was somebody else uh, let's say mauro wasn't even in wwe just a complete hypothetical situation they put somebody else in there i don't think people would be going oh man bring back michael cole i, I you wouldn't hear that he is not a beloved figure and i i can see there's there's many many reasons why it's he's just <laughs> never really connected it, it, and i don't think it i just think it's too late for him to do that um maybe if he's around doing this until he's in his 70s or something he some, somehow reaches that 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 point but i i'm i doubt it i don't think it's ever going to happen yep um i yeah i it's it's not i don't think there's going to be a generation of fans who look back fondly like like they do at uh, Gorilla Monsoon, for instance. No. Yeah. I mean, it's it, that's not the type of guy Michael Cole is. Okay. And, and some of it, I'll just say quickly that some of it is, too, that the way they're structured, the way they're produced does make it pretty difficult. But I, I do think there'll come a time if he has a long enough run that yeah, people still, even with the same limitations that are forced on him by, by their structure, Mauro Ronaldo should have that someday. I agree. Thank you for listening to the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Show. Did you know that through Patreon, you can get this show with the ads and plugs removed for just $4.99 a month and enjoy our podcasts on whatever podcast app you're using or directly through the Patreon app. Check out full details at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. That's patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. Wipe away the ads 
to the Wade Keller podcast, post shows, and PW Torch daily casts. That's 14 pro wrestling podcasts per week with the ads and plugs removed for just $4.99 per month. Support us and enjoy a streamlined listening experience. Okay, I'm going to squeeze one more in here. Tanner um, uh, says, I think last night brought some much-needed closure for the fans of Daniel Bryan, and I absolutely loved his farewell. I do, however, have some questions about how Bryan's situation will be used as a precedent going forward. In hindsight, Dr. Maroon made the right call by not clearing Bryan, but as far as yep. the public knows, he didn't have a test result turn out poorly until the last few weeks. Will we ever know if there was any criteria that Dr. Maroon was using other than Bryan's history of concussions? I'm glad that Bryan's making the right choice, but I'm hoping WWE will learn from this situation going forward and find a way to be more transparent about the criteria they use in their concussions policy. Number two, WWE is unlikely to go out of their way to have all wrestlers take that test. That ultimately changed his mind, but a good argument could be made that they should be given the potential test to save lives. As, a con- as concussion science evolves, we may reach a point where WWE has the opportunity to be much more proactive in discovering the damage previously incurred by their talent, but no clear financial motive to do so. What do you think WWE should be doing to prepare for this situation? Two. Um, that's the last one, huh? Boy, we could uh, we could fill an hour on this. I I don't know how much they truly want to know. I, yeah. I really don't. Yeah. I, and I, it's not just them; it's the NFL. It's any contact sport. I, I boy, I mean, if they if every guy on that roster right now took the same test Daniel Bryan did, I'll guarantee you they would lose some. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not going to even put a number on it, but they'd lose some people. I, I, I mean, just. Bubble Ray Dudley, the Dudleys, what they went through in ECW. I mean, you think Tommy Dreamer would have been able to come back? And, and just to, Brock Lesnar, MMA fights, taking the beating he did from Shane Carwin. Who knows? You know, and mm-hmm. there's it's it, it's going to be a huge, huge issue. It already is, and it's only going to get bigger as we move forward because I think the NFL is, is has already shown signs. They're resistant. They want to put a big happy face on this, and I'm sure WWE is going to do that with Daniel Bryan and and, and use him as their poster boy for this. See, we care. We we wouldn't you know this is one of our most popular performers. I think you're going to hear some of that at the same time that they're very re- reluctant to tap into eventually once it gets here testing for CTE in living people. That test doesn't exist yet. Once it does, Wade, I really wonder if they're going to drag their feet. They kind of drag their test, feet getting into this. That test does exist, but but unfortunately, it's in a third world country, and we don't want to talk about it. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm joking, but yeah, yeah. No, it, I I think we are. There's so much money now and so much science being invested in figuring out this, and and it's just now a matter of. It becoming more sophisticated. That's the other thing. It may turn out, and, and I don't think I don't think so. But it might. I can't rule it out that in five years the science has evolved enough on concussions that there's either a med- a medication or uh, a ch- a way to chart things where Danny Bryan can actually come back and wrestle five more years from sure. age thirty eight to forty three or something. I mean, I you know you can't rule anything out, but it's going to have to be something that is a breakthrough in a way that I just, it doesn't seem like we're headed that direction. But if there's something that says, well, we got some false positives, it's, this isn't really an issue, I, I don't see how that happens. But as far as Dr. Maroon being right, yeah, it's, I mean, it's a complicated issue. Daniel Bryan, I think, was showing test results of tests and indications in the ring that made him a much 
more high-profile candidate for extensive testing and being sat on the sidelines. And I, I don't know that we're – that. It, yes, there might be others with a, with as serious a situation going on as Brian who aren't exhibiting signs, but I don't get the sense that there's other wrestlers who are showing indications of problems like Daniel Bryan who are not being tested and sat out. Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is a conspiracy. No, I, I don't at all. I, I've never – understood that i mean can you reach and say that well joseph maroon was uh, featured poorly in the concussion movie and they needed a poster boy and in the long run they can they can use daniel bryan as as, as an excuse when they drag their feet going into the and, and some of that may happen but i don't think it was like this master plan that wwe had i think if they could use daniel bryan they would um I, but I, I mean, look at the NFL and HGH testing. Look at and, and WWE for that matter. You know, I, I I just think they're all of these organizations. No matter what comes out, they're going to be making excuses for why they're not doing the most up to date tech, using the most up to date technology. I don't think they really want the answers in a lot of cases. Yeah. If they, I, I think they're going to be very fearful of it because it's going to lead. It's going to force them to, in the NFL, lose key players, lose stars, make the league look bad. And same with WWE. And so I, it, it's going to be a very interesting story to follow. Um, I, I just to see how WWE positions this and remember this moment because yeah, you are going to be hearing them. I'll guarantee if there's some technology out there that that most of the medical industry supports and WWE fears that it could cost them, I think they're going to be touting Joseph Maroon as the guy that pulled Daniel Bryan from the ring, and he's not quite confident in this, and not every expert is. All the things we heard when all of this talk originally started with CT and with Chris Nowinski and how they dragged their feet getting into this and tried yeah. to discredit things, it's going to just keep happening. We're in a better place. But I, I don't know that they're ever truly going to be at the forefront of it, Wade. No, and I, there's no indication historically uh, that they will be. Um, I'm actually going to do one more quick one here because I think we can address this quickly. And it's the last mm-hmm. Dana Bryan question we had on uh, in the queue here. Uh, Don wants to know, Don M., in his short yet memorable career, is it Hall of Fame worthy? Well, his career spanned 16 years. WWE was a small percentage of that time. What is his place in the Hall of Fame? Um, I, I think... More than a third of his career was in WWE. I think WWE is showing, Jason, that they will induct people based on their work elsewhere, i.e. Sting. And he had uh, 10 great years before getting to WWE, not in a high-profile way, but certainly 10 indisputably great years in the ring. And his impact was such that anybody whose retirement takes up 25, 30 minutes on a TV show and features a bunch of WWE.com exclusive, network exclusive, backstage insights and all. I mean, this guy's a Hall of Famer. He headlined WrestleMania. He won a championship. He he got knocked out in the midst of what would have ended up being the biggest push in the most the biggest money run he would have had, which is just alone worth crying over. I mean, the money that he lost that he would have made uh, the next three years is good. Is I mean, I'm glad Brian's not materialistic, particularly because uh, I think it would hurt some other people a lot more. But but yeah, so no, he's he's absolutely Hall of Hall of Fame worthy on basically every scale. He's not a Steve Austin ro- guy who who just changed the course of business, but he is absolutely in his own way as special and successful as it gets. 
He is without question a headline WWE Hall of Famer. He is an Observer Hall of Famer. He is a Pro Wrestling Hall of Famer. I mean, you name it. I, I just think this guy fits every criteria, and especially WWE's. It's a you know, it's not necessarily a popularity contest, but how did you label it earlier, Wade? The Hall of Fame. Yeah, the WWE Hall. It's of a Fame. show. Yeah, and <laughs> you know, and it's about selling tickets. It's yep. about selling network subscriptions, and yeah, he. I mean. You can find countless guys that are in the Hall of Fame that didn't have the career he did. Who cares if it wasn't in WWE? And what he accomplished in WWE was amazing. He is absolutely a Hall of Famer. And uh, then Don wants to know, how did you feel about the Bryan segment going on last? Since viewers tend to remember the last thing they saw on a given TV show, was it wise for the show to end on a negative? Granted, it was a nice moment, but the last thing viewers remember is, I won't get to see Daniel Bryan wrestle again. Would it have been better to open the show with a speech and end the show with a contract signing or something related to Fastlane since building to the show is the focus at this stage? They did the right thing. Um, they didn't do it with Edge. They did not have uh, – he didn't open or close. It was somewhere in the middle of the show, I believe. And Edge is no Daniel Bryan. Edge had more of a WWE career, headline more pay-per-views, but he's he's no Daniel Bryan. He's not. And, I mean, there's just no way that this – there's nothing they could have done that would, could have followed this. The rest of the show – would have been just a letdown. Um, nothing. I, I just. I, I can't even imagine. Had they opened with this news, it was the perfect send off. It was. I didn't come out of this feeling down completely. This wasn't. Uh, you know, the the sky is falling, and, and we're never going to see Daniel Bryan again. It because of the way he framed it. He came off like a guy that certainly wasn't happy that he can't wrestle anymore, but he's accepting of it, and he's grateful to the fans. And so what could have been a real major downer of a segment had he chose to take that approach turned out to be rather uplifting in, in many ways, yes. I felt. That, that's a thing. I think it, it was a huge celebration of the brand. It was a huge celebration of the joy that watching the show brings to people. I, I think that there's no way to follow that emotionally. Anything that followed it, it would have just – who would want to follow that? Um, I can't even imagine. So that had to end the show. Yeah, I mean, and, and I did not see it as a downer. I mean, yes, it's a downer. Oh, God, he has a concussion. He can't wrestle. But it was, it was a list of things he was grateful for. It was structured so well. It, it just I, – I mean, I, I, I don't think it overstayed its welcome, but I, I don't think it was a minute too long or a minute too short. I mean, I think he just – it just – it was perfect. And it was kind of like a Hall of Fame speech – you know, in a way, I'm curious what he does in his Hall of Fame speech that's different because, you know, you don't want to repeat the list of things you're grateful for. So I'm, I'm curious what he'll come up with because that'll be a big moment, too, when that happens. And I think it'll happen within the next three years. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. there'll be a lot of thank yous in there to individuals. Right. I, I think yep. I think you'll see him cover his uh, his time in Ring of Honor, mention Gabe Sapolsky and various people. I, I think some of the things that were missing from last night, I, and I don't, I just don't think it was the setting to do all of that. I, I think that will that will happen in the Hall of Fame speech. Excellent, Jason. Pleasure as always. Uh, great conversation. Been two and a half hours since we started. Crazy. Wow. Um, yeah, it just it flew by, but it was uh, nice to talk about Daniel Bryan and not complain about Roman Reigns, but we'll get back to complaining about Roman Reigns next week unless he turns things around and uh, and gives us something to, to praise or gets us excited about uh, something regarding his character. But um, the uh, March to Fastlane continues, and I'm sure you'll be diving into that in addition to Daniel Bryan on your audio later this week on your site, as I will on mine. Absolutely. And so what you're saying is we will be complaining about Roman Reigns next week. All right. Probably. Um, thank you, everybody, for your support. And on behalf of Jason Powell, it's Wade Keller signing off. 
Announcing our first VIP sale of 2021. Just 99 cents gets you a full month of VIP access. If you act now, go to pwtorch.com slash govip. Enter coupon code 2021SALE. That's right, 2021SALE. And that'll take $9 off our usual $9.99 monthly subscription price. That's 2021SALE. Enter that in the coupon code box on our sign-up form at pwtorch.com slash govip. We've got exciting things happening with PW Torch VIP in 2021. A new podcast series called Everything with Rich Fan that I host with longtime PW Torch contributor and now Pro Wrestling Torch columnist Rich Fan. And the podcast lives up to the title. We talk about the top stories of the week and some strange and oddball and off-the-beaten-track clips of professional wrestling that Rich and the listeners suggest that I watch, and then Rich gets my response to it at the end of each week's episode. Also, Nick and Tom's Intercontinental Adventure, our first purely WWE Week in review focus show, with Nick Barbati and Tom Collihue, both PWTorch.com contributors, who discuss and debate the top matches, the top angles, the top out-of-ring stories in WWE from the previous week, and then they do a flashback to 20 years ago that week and discuss the top stories from that week's Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter. Also just launched is our new PW Torch VIP podcast vault, the first ever Wade Keller hotline from May 6th, 2003. This was a year before the word podcast was even invented. We were doing VIP audio shows, and we've excavated our very first shows, and we're presenting them at least one per week on our VIP podcast feed. Vault podcast formats starting in 2003 include the Wade Keller hotlines, roundtables following pay-per-views, and also roundtables discussing current events in professional wrestling, including Jason Powell, Pat McNeil, Bruce Mitchell, and more early VIP podcasts. These new podcast series joined some new ones in 2020, including NXT eight years back, WWE then and now, looking back at past WWE pay-per-views through today's lens, and New Japan Pride with Javier and Bethany discussing the week in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Plus, long-running shows like the Wade Keller Hotline, post-pay-per-view roundtables, The Fix with Todd Martin, Radican Worldwide, On the Canvas with Zach Hadorn, Alan Forel's Pro Wrestling Paradise, Podcast of Honor, covering Ring of Honor with Tyler and Ryan. The PW Torch East Coast Cast VIP version, the British Wrestling Report, our retro radio shows from the 1990s, and Vintage Torch Talk interviews. And as of 2021, our VIP podcast feed is now compatible with Apple Podcasts, the native iOS podcast app. You no longer have to enter a username and password. As long as you are a current VIP member, your podcast feed will get you the latest shows from our PW Torch VIP lineup, multiple shows per day, on Apple Podcasts. Our new podcast feed also works with other podcast apps that we previously were not compatible with, including the native Google Podcast app on Android phones and many others. It's easier than ever to listen to our VAP podcasts, and it's easier than ever to subscribe because we now not only offer PayPal as an option for payments, but also direct credit card and debit card payments on our simplified, streamlined VIP signup page. So many improvements, so many exciting things happening, and this is the time of year to immerse yourself in our top-shelf coverage of professional wrestling. And don't forget, VIP membership gets you instant access to 30-plus years of archives of the Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly Newsletter, ad-free access to our weekly Pro Wrestling Torch Newsletter that started it all, a new newsletter each week, and ad-free access to our main website. So go VIP, pwtorch.com slash go VIP, full details, 
on that page. And then our sign-up form includes a coupon code box. Just enter 2021 sale. And that'll take $9 off any subscription option. So you can apply that $9 discount to a one-month, a three-month, or a one-year subscription. If you apply to a one-month subscription, that brings your price down to just $0.99. And that will include our post-Royal Rumble VIP roundtable and our post-AEW Revolution pay-per-view roundtable available the night of the event. A roundtable discussion right after the event ends, lasting around 60 minutes exclusively for VIP members. Again, it's pwtorch.com slash govip, coupon code 2021SALE. And let's not forget the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Post Shows and Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts and PW Torch Daily Casts, 14 podcasts per week, are available on our podcast feed, compatible with Apple Podcasts' native app and many other popular podcast apps, ad-free. That's right, you can hear these shows with the ads and plugs removed for a streamlined listening experience. Give us a try. It's just 99 cents to try us for a full month. Whether you're looking to occupy yourself on road trips or traveling for the holidays or to occupy yourself because you're not seeing family as much this holiday season, why not settle in and listen to a good book? Audible is a leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks, ranging from bestsellers and new releases like the Young Bucks autobiography to celebrity memoirs, languages, business, motivation, and more like original entertainment and now podcasts. And recently, Audible's launched a new plan, Audible Plus. With Audible Plus, you get full access to their Plus catalog, which is filled with thousands and thousands of select originals, audiobooks, and podcasts, including ad-free versions of popular shows, as well as exclusive series. Audible Plus connects you with tons of content that entertains, inspires, and informs. It's easy to find just the right listen, whether it's comedy, romance, suspense, true crime, science fiction, fitness and wellness, or, yes, many pro wrestling selections. You can even squeeze in a workout or guided meditation without having to go to a gym or class. And with everything you want to listen to all in one app, Audible Plus can truly become your playlist for life. It's only $4.95 per month for your first six months. Choose your plan and start a free trial. So go to audible.com wade or text wade to 500-500. And you can try Audible Plus for free or Audible Premium Plus for free. And you can make your free selection, The Young Bucks Killing the Business Book that just came out last week. Again, that's audible.com slash wade or text wade to 500-500. We're now on Patreon. That's right. You can support us and get benefits at patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. We have three tiers, $4.99, $6.99, and $9.99. The first tier gives you all the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcasts and Post Shows and the PW Torch Daily Casts with the ads and plugs removed. That membership tier also includes the VIP After Shows that on occasion we put on extended versions for VIP members at the end of the Wade Keller Shows and Daily Casts. And it's compatible with the Apple Podcast app and any other third-party podcast app out there, or you can stream the shows directly from your Patreon app or the Patreon website. Or you can upgrade to tier two for two extra dollars a month and add the Wade Keller hotline to the mix, a daily podcast just for VIP members who support us. Or you can upgrade to tier three and get all the Wade Keller podcasts and post shows and daily casts with the ads and plugs removed and the VIP after shows and the Wade Keller hotlines, plus all the other VIP exclusive podcasts and a PDF and all text version of the weekly Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter and a 20 years ago Pro Wrestling Torch Weekly newsletter every week. Full details on how to support us and get so much in return with three different tiered options 
at patreon.com slash PWTorchVIP. You can still support us directly on our website and get the full VIP benefits for $9.99 a month by going to pwtorch.com slash govip. That has not changed. This is just an additional option for those of you who are familiar with and like supporting creators on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash pwtorchvip. Have you subscribed to the PW Torch Daily Cast yet? It's a free daily podcast with shows throughout the week dedicated to Ring of Honor, All Elite Wrestling, Impact Wrestling, Major League Wrestling, NXT, and MMA Talk for Pro Wrestling fans. That's Monday through Friday. And on Saturdays, check out the Deep Dive with Rich Fan, where he examines a single topic in depth. And then Sunday nights, it's Wrestling Night in America with Greg Parks. You can listen live or download the show later at pwtorchdailycast.com. Just click on the live stream link. He takes your calls talking about wrestling's biggest events, either ones that just took place or previewing shows that are right around the corner. And on Sundays when WWE runs pay-per-views, he's live right after the pay-per-view at pwtorchdailycast.com, reviewing the show and taking your calls. That's the PW Torch Daily Cast lineup. Just search PW Torch in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your wrestling podcasts or visit our homepage to download or stream the shows or find out more information, pwtorchdailycast.com. One of the really cool parts of being a VIP member is getting to relive history through the pages of the Pro Wrestling Torch newsletter back issues. We have Pro Wrestling Torch newsletters dating back to the late 1980s. We put a new back issue up from 20 years ago that week. And so when you go VIP, you instantly have access to over 1,500 back issues and a new PDF, along with an all-text version, if it's easier for you to read that on your phone, uh, goes up every weekend. And the latest issues include a cover story from the June 10th, 2000 issue on Goldberg's return to WCW and whether he's a solution to what was ailing WCW at the time. Also, my column titled, Vince Russo is from Outer Space. And Bruce Mitchell's column, still timely today, unfortunately, of racist gimmicks and poverty pimps was the title. That's issue number 606. The week before that, issue number 605 from June 3rd features a cover story that talks about how there could be a shakeup in the wrestling industry with WCW for sale, and ECW having an uncertain future. And also a Bruce Mitchell column spoofing Vince Russo titled, How I Became World Champion. If we go back another week to the May 27th, 2000 issue, it had detailed coverage of the Judgment Day 2000 pay-per-view, including my review and staff roundtable reviews of the Rock Triple H 60-minute Iron Man match, and also the final installment of the Lance Storm Torch Talk with his thoughts on various ECW colleagues. The week before that, the May 20th, 2000 issue, issue number 603, features a cover story on Ric Flair's collapse in the ring during Nitro. Part 3 of the Landstorm Torch Talk, with his explanation for why he decided to quit ECW, our coverage of ECW Hardcore Heaven, the pay-per-view, and more. And then the week before that, the May 13th issue, features a cover story on the changing TV landscape in pro wrestling, with the WBF moving from USA to TNN, and a potential shift of ECW, also a cover sidebar story on the death of an ECW fan after a hotel party and WCW slamboree coverage. And the week before that, our coverage from the May 6th issue, number 601, of David Arquette winning the WCW title. My EndNotes editorial examining Vince Russo's controversial decision and flippant comments about title belts. Our coverage of WWE Backlash 2000 
and more. I could keep going on, but that gives you an idea of what you're missing out on by not being a BIP member. Imagine settling in on the weekend and uh, kicking back and reading wrestling history, not through the lens of WWE filtering it to their benefit, not through people looking back on it through today's lens, but what was said at the time, the week it happened, by some of the voices that you are familiar with here on the Wade Keller Pro Wrestling Podcast and PW Torch Daily Casts. So go VIP and relive professional wrestling through the way the Torch covered it in real time with contemporaneous coverage of pro wrestling's biggest events, biggest news stories, biggest personalities. I think you'll have a blast. It alone is worth the membership price for so many of our members. Check out details on everything else that comes with the VIP membership, including daily podcasts that are VIP exclusive and shows like this with the ads and plugs removed. Go to pwtorch.com slash govip for full details. That's pwtorch.com slash govip. Prices are as low as $8.25 a month on average if you subscribe for a year or check us out for a month for $9.99.